Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we will be discussing the 10th episode of Andor Season 1 with a special, our first returning guest as well. Uh, but before that, hi, I'm Emily. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. You can follow me on TikTok at Stardust M and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Stardust M for until Twitter falls apart, maybe. <laughs> um, my brainworm of the week is the actor who plays Zal, not only knowing that we called him sexy, but liking that enough to be like, I'll give him a follow. <laughs> well done. So, so true, King. I love that he was like, I'm just going to look up Saul and I'm just going to see what people are tweeting. And he was like, and then he was like, people calling me sexy, that's a like. And I love that. <laughs> I think that's Shout the out best to Joseph Davies. <laughs> Joseph Davies. He, he took his Glupshido status in strides so true good for him and he was liking the better calls all jokes <laughs> which you will see is referenced in the title of this episode <laughs> we never pre-decide our titles except for this week <laughs> r.i.p man uh, hey do you want to introduce yourself Sure. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Hi, my name is Hayden. I use she/her pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at Taika.ytd and on Twitter and Instagram at MCUYTD. And my brainworm of the week is my <laughs> fully completed Baywatch commission done by our oh. friend of the month. <laughs> <laughs> at Cherry L on Twitter, Ella. <laughs> Shout out to you. I, to okay. <laughs> it, it really does because I came up with Baywatch <laughs> the second, no, the first or second episode of the Book of Boba Fett <laughs> because I was deluding myself into thinking he would show up along with Kira, who will Fat. have a small part in this episode. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it was everything I could have dreamed for. He's very sexy, and I miss him very much. Um, also, I had a vision today. We could possibly get a Valance mention in Book of Boba Fett Season 2 when it's Boba and Cobb Vanth, and Boba is talking to Cobb about his cybernetics that he gets from Thundercat. <laughs> so, the vision <laughs> is seen. <laughs> we'll just keep on dreaming, you know, I think until podcast- it happens. I think this podcast would fall apart if Cobb Banth mentioned the name Balance. Like, I think that we yeah. would just all cease to exist. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would simply implode, to be honest. Um, and honestly, after <laughs> some people adapting books and comics into live action, I feel like if that's all we get, I'm good at as long as it's in another show not created by those people, I'm good. Anyway, Liv, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. Hi, I'm Liv. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me everywhere on 
at what words you can find me everywhere on social media at olivia madala and my brainworm of the week is kira girl bossing so hard in the hidden empire preview that it scares the shit out of emperor palpatine we are going to speak about that oh yes holy fucking shit she also she also influenced me to impulsively cut all of my hair off again so we have (laughs) the same haircut so she's just so powerful i love her anyways um special guest would you like to introduce introduce yourself again i am special guest um my name is ephraim (laughs) mcfarland and i am glad to be joining you all again for the second time um you can find me everywhere at eph mcf that's e-p-h-m-c-f on like twitter instagram tiktok i think i changed my tiktok to that now yeah Mm -hmm. um and my pronouns are he him please and thank you and uh my brainworm of the week is also Kira related, and it's also hidden. It's just the fact that Hidden Empire comes out. Fuck, man. And I just have been thinking about that preview nonstop. And the beautiful culmination of what Charles Soule has been plotting this whole time. Because you know, the guy's a madman. and But particularly, the brainworm is my theory that Kira has a nameless or a leveler, like from the higher public. And that's what terrifies Palpatine. That's that's what's been ping ponging around inside my skull. No, because 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 yeah. Charles yeah. Soule loves to put shit from the High Republic yeah. in his shit. Precisely. So, like, like literally, like this next arc of Star Wars is gonna be um is gonna be like, you know, it's going to be them fest. trying to get out of no space. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> I also like how you said putting ship from the High Republic and not like him as an architect of the High Republic. <laughs> no, yeah. Like he just, like, he he puts, just, he he just puts, taking it. Not that he, not, he's just putting the stuff that he invented. Yeah. Not that he like literally created this entire, you know, the beginning of this entire era. Yeah. yeah. Man. That being said, he, I think my theory has some, holds some water. His brain is so big. His brain is just immense. Yeah. Just That's so powerful. True. If Ephraim's theory is true, y'all are going to have to do a lot of explaining to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. Let's give a, an entire recap. We have time. <laughs> Who is? But, um, <laughs> yes, thanks for having me, by the way, again. I, I appreciate y'all, yeah, and I'm excited to... Yes. Talk about the show that is like so amazing that I haven't had the opportunity to gush about yet. Yeah, especially yeah, this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Take it away, y'all. All right. Before oh, we start, we have. Oh. No, I was Let's gonna. Begin. I would like. It's so exciting because somebody has finally listened to my please. <laughs> we, we have a viewer submitted question, guys. <laughs> this this came to us with the subject line. Defeating the no listener questions allegations. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> Hello, Castle Run Flu crew. I have a listener question for you all. This is in honor of the Twitter Blue debacle. And what a debacle it's been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have been given access to the Star Wars admin account, the Star Wars account as Swagman. <laughs> and you have the ability to make a single tweet. 
what do you choose and why best at uh jacob bush is that how you say mutuals on tiktok he makes a lot of uh star wars book content particularly high republic you should give him a follow and also he's my new bestie for submitting a viewer question <laughs> <Star Wars laughs> question <laughs> All right, so I should have ended with every other listener. <laughs> Jacob is my new best friend. We just send the show to his email directly. No other, no other <laughs> listeners. <now. laughs> oh. So, how would you respond to Emily? Well, other people go first. I want to hear other. Fine, Liv. How would you respond? Uh oh. Um. Hmm. Uh oh. Is, is, is it? <laughs> I. Hmm. I enjoy watching chaos. So mm-hmm. I like it could be something as simple as just saying Ray Skywalker. That's it. That's the tweet, and you... I just want to see the fallout. Mm-hmm. You are I would, so I would, correct. I was say scary. One of mine <laughs> was gonna be Ray Skywalker with a yellow heart. Yes. <laughs> yep. Replies <laughs> up specifically. Very smart of you. Oh my god. Actually, the only it's it's like, dude, you can do the specific part. The only person who can reply is Daisy Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beautiful. Well. <clears throat> Mine would be Han Solo kisses men. Yeah. Mm. That was my other thought. <laughs> so true. <laughs> no, Han Solo kisses men. And then in the, the in the other tweets, I link my Han Balance fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> also, I rewatched Solo last night, so that's not good for the Han Solo with straight allegations. Like, come the fuck on. You better buckle up, baby. That's why, baby. Come on. And then Elkery specifically says, are you done flirting? I'm still ready. Like, I know yeah. what you are. I know what you are. I know. That's what totally straight are. behavior to call all the men around you baby all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's a man. <laughs> Lando Calrissian Cal- Cal- is never beating the pants. <laughs> <laughs> he is and affirming he the allegations. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ephraim, how would you respond this as a respond to this as our special guest? Um, I'm contemplating. Should I give some context for what I said? My answer would be like before we started recording about the whole uh, Qui Gon situation. Or is to that be too, quite honest? I completely too forgot long-winded? what it was. So yes. Okay. Um. So yeah. we were we were you know just chatting, uh, scrolling the timeline as we do, and someone tweeted that mm. Shmi Skywalker is a lesbian, which 100% valid. But I, I, in rebuttal, or not rebuttal, but in, in my perception, Qui-Gon and Shmi were, were fucking, you know, like they, there's something between them. They explored um, each other's bodies. Yeah, but then in the same vein, like, you know, something about it was also some, like, queer in a way. And so I landed on um, Qui-Gon is a he-him lesbian. <laughs> That's like the natural conclusion for the vibe that I was picking up on. So... <laughs> Um, maximum chaos and carnage from the Star Wars admin tweet would simply be blue check mark and all. Qui Gon is a he him lesbian. Period. <laughs> then tweet. Um, no context given, and that's my final answer. Thanks. 
beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't need context. No. You don't need context. It's, it's self-explanatory. Look at the man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you see the young Qui-Gon from Tales of the Jedi? Like, <laughs> I did not because I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's valid. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, anyways... What happened this week? Oh no! No, Em still hasn't answered. Oh shit! I thought you did. I thought no, you I said that I disagreed with Liv. I just oh agreed okay. With Liv. That so was what... one of my thoughts. Okay, tell I, us tell us all again. of your thoughts. Simply, Jin Cassian and Sheriff Ace are canon, and then yes. We just go. If I wanted to cause just chaos, I just do cheered and Baze are canon. <laughs> I actually then, encourage you to, to to do the Jin Cassian part and at Pablo Hidalgo in the tweet. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, Pablo Hidalgo goes insane. I like the idea of that scene being exactly the same, but they're just going down just an the escalator, escalator instead. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're choosing not to walk down the steps <laughs> like that couple you see in the mall like they're just like <laughs> staring at each other on the escalator it's like that one line and it's like <laughs> what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck is, is this allowed it's just a stormtrooper standing behind them uh, <laughs> oh my god Oh my god. Tears in my eyeballs. I need some water. So those are her tweets. Because we don't want peace, we just want problems. (laughs) We don't want peace, we want problems always. 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 Uh, What else happened this week? I don't even know. Hit an empire preview. Hit an empire preview. In an Empire preview. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I have to take my glasses off for this one. I listen. I don't think Charles is going to kill Kira because I feel like he respects his development and female characters enough to not put her through literally an entire trilogy of character development and then kill her off at the end of it. However, A, I don't put it past him. And two, I do not know where Kira's story is going to go if she does not die. If I can be completely honest. One of my mutuals yesterday said, um, what if she gets frozen in carbonite? (gasps) Yes, I saw that at the same time you saw it and reacted similarly. This is how this is how Amelia Clark gets to be in the first post Rise of Skywalker project, yes. and we just yes. see so Amelia Clark the exact same, looking the exact same, meeting so Ray Skywalker. Oh my god! So yes. fucking true. This is this is how we win. This this is how we win. This is how we win. I will lobby for that outside yeah. of Lucasfilm. Well, no, no, she gets unfrozen at the end of the Battle of Crate by whoever, but she beats the shit out of them. And that's how your headcanon can, co- can come into play. And like how she's at the Battle of Exegol fighting for Hoth. Mm. 
this oh this man. is emily's vision and i'm seeing it <laughs> and it's it's working it's working billy d and amelia clark together oh, that, oh no that has a special oh, that just broke me oh <laughs> Liv is too stunned to speak. I can't. Um, okay, no, listen. I wasn't even going to go to the comic book store this week because the only release was High Republic 2. And yes, I'm reading it, but I, I'm not a High Republic early. We know this. Um, <laughs> but I had I read the preview and then I was like, shit, is Hidden Empire on my pull list? <laughs> So I went to the comic book store under the guise that I was just getting my my new release. And I was like, hey, Scott, my bestie who runs the store is Hidden Empire on my pull list. He's like, you could have just called me and added. <laughs> we but have anyway. the technology. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to be very fragile for the next few months, just so you're aware. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Like, I, I can't even articulate. It is so I, I, bad I, I for just... this podcast specifically. <laughs> like I, I don't know where her story could go. Besides, no, I have like no a sharp downward clue. turn. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, it's, it's going to be disastrous. So like the I fact that in the preview she's like balls to the wall like her flagship towards the star destroyer in the first I'm preview like, of the first what issue. are you doing yeah i'm so fucking scared right now <laughs> yeah no, like, like when does issue five come out because i need to be put no. on like a oh my god wait i think it could, it could come out in april that's not safe for charles soul i will shelter <laughs> my fear for fear of him <laughs> <laughs> respectfully i will not but i'll be there to support you thank you <laughs> i also watch out I, <laughs> truly sleep with what i open mm -hmm. um, but after the preview i felt compelled to watch solo this weekend last night let me tell you i have some very big feelings about that movie and it makes me very 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 fragile and thinking about Kira and Han, and then the context of what's happening in the comics right now. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I am literally showing up right now as we speak. Um, it, it petrifies me. And also I tweeted this last night, when will someone tell Han what Kira did for him? When will they tell him that uh, he saved him. No, she saved him from Darth Vader. And <laughs> that's like my biggest fear is that staying unresolved. Because like we won't no. know until after you know when they get into post Return of the Jedi stuff if they're even no. gonna do more of that, you know? Yeah, because in, in the scoundrel, Leia just said, Leia said that she met, I Kira, met Kira, but she doesn't explain what happened. So it has to be at least after that. Which and you also have so Shattered long. Empire to take into account. <laughs> oh god. So long. But like, like I don't also know, I don't know if I want him to know because I will I will just die. I will just melt. Because if she if she's 
no longer around. You know, I, I just need one panel with one really special line of dialogue to tattoo on my body in reference to that. Just one panel. Um, I'll take it. Oh my god. No. <laughs> I also fear for what happens afterwards because this this kind of batch, okay, the past like two, three mm. years have been for the solo enjoyers. Truly. What happens when I get no more solo? Mm-hmm. What happens when we don't see Kira at least every once in a while? I can do another Kira drought. I can't do it again. Maybe by <laughs> then, like the Lando show will be happening. Oh my god! I was gonna say, <laughs> crossing my I, fingers. I think it was you, Ephraim, but mm. you brought up the fact. Well, I've always said that the Lando show could be called should be called the Calrissian Chronicles, but mm. I forget if it was you or someone on the timeline that said it should be like old Lando, Billy D. Williams, like telling yeah. stories and then going back to like. I retweeted that, yes, but I I endorse that idea very, very much I unfortunately do not remember who made that tweet. It's Mm -hmm. lost in the timeline like a couple months ago or whatever, but I need it so badly. And if Alden comes back and Amelia Clark comes back for that show, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Mm -hmm. Andor, yeah, is Andor is expanding on like, a singular spin-off Star Wars movie so flawlessly that I, I hope they like take that in stride and like see the opportunity to expand on, you know, the other Star Wars spin-off film mm-hmm. in a in a way that is unique to the tone of that movie as well. Like it would be such a huge missed yeah. opportunity. If like I, I'm gonna enjoy the Lando show pretty much no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. if the same crew is yeah. behind it. But like <laughs> There, there's such a special opportunity to like expand on that vibe. I, I want yeah. more Star Wars specifically with the vibe of Solo because it's like it's yeah, so it's well fun. rounded. Yes, it's it's mm-hmm. fun, but it's like connected, but not overbearing. Well, and... and I feel like that works. And I feel like that works so well for Lando as a character because like Lando was always kind of the like he's like always the fun guy in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm more serious situations so to have one where like you have more fun but then like solo you really get to explore lando's depth and like who he is as a person Mm. it would just Mm be like i think like i mean i was i don't know like ephraim if you've read last shot yet but like that was a really great like perfect of like balance between um daniel does a really great job getting that like solo vibe with like mm. young Lando and then like having a more like serious tone with older so like I could definitely see like I don't know mm. like something like last shot too that like really brings together mm. that it's on my it's, shelf I that may good. have convinced me to finally my I'm I'm For, illiterate right now I will dis- disclaimer not me yeah we've, not we've me. traded I'm literacy beating, status hey, yeah, I was like hey stole your literacy allegations <laughs> But um, maybe maybe this will do it for me. So, because I, I I want more of that. And also, after um, watching Solo again, I'm going to reread Lando Double or Nothing because it's it's Donald Glover's Lando. But I'm pretty sure that the story he's talking about in the Falcon when he's recording the Calrissian Chronicles is the story. 
story that's in Double or Nothing. I like just made that connection after having read Double or Nothing like literally last year and watching Solo right after. But anyway, Solo Interesting. is a good movie and it's top three, especially for this podcast. And I will die on that hill. That's air horn sounds. Indeed. <laughs> for Solo. So true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Andor. Yeah. I'm so 10. Oh, fucking God. Overall thoughts, mm. who would like to start? <laughs> what a fucking episode. Jeez. What a fucking episode. I rewatched it like maybe an hour before we started recording. Holy fucking shit. How masterfully crafted was this episode? You have the perfect balance of each kind of like the realms that we've been going to. Like we have some with Ferrix, some of Coruscant, both sides of Coruscant. And we have, of course, Narkina 5. We're going to talk about Kino's development in this goddamn Mm. episode. (laughs) I, this prison arc has probably been one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars media. It is some of, if not the best set of television that we've gotten out of Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry, Clone Wars. Sorry to the Clone Wars girlies, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you can't beat it. That's all I'm going to say is you can't beat it. It's made, I'll say this, this show is so good that it's made talking about it as a Star Wars show almost irrelevant if that makes sense like yes I we're not I, like when i'm talking about it with somebody i'm not talking about the fact that it's like star wars and how it compares to other stuff it's just there's so much mm-hmm. substance and so many mm-hmm. things of substance to talk about that's like just there for you from the get-go especially as we approach the end and we've seen development you know for all these characters it's like with other star wars and this is not a, a hate comment or anything like that but like we are so used to like projecting sub substance almost on like onto certain <laughs> like uh, onto certain material and just being like, oh, this means this, and then taking that apart even further just because we want to be having those conversations, which is like also totally valid way for a fandom to operate. But Andor is like an entire meal, and you're never really grabbing for things to talk about like that because it's just so substantial. And this whole prison arc is like the epitome of, of that. Like there's there's social commentary, there's a character development for a character we met two episodes ago. You know, there's like mm-hmm. it's there's a lot to talk about. It just, so it did everything it tried to do right and mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's it's delivered on like this arc specifically. Oh the I love the Aldani arc, like I have an undying passion for the Aldani arc, but like this, the scale of the prison arc and like this massive revolt of like normal people, like revolting Mm -hmm. against the Imperial binds, you know, breaking those, escaping the prison. Like it's, there's so much that is like, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but like iconic about the rebellion or like at, at the spirit of the rebellion it's like right here like all these people that have been exactly. wronged by the empire like normal people starting to break free it's beautiful man it's just yeah 
Sorry, I've been talking for like five minutes now. No, no, it's completely okay. <sighs> no. Yeah, I think this show has done such a good job, like, taking, you know, the slower build of the first two episodes in an arc and then just it all beautifully coming together in that third episode. Um, and this was, yeah, this was, I mean, I still think the Aldani arc is my favorite, but mm. this was so incredible as a conclusion to this arc and like and I mean I think people talk about it but the we talk about this every episode but I mean and it just keeps getting better every episode but like the performances in particular in this oh. episode beyond I think what we've ever seen in Star Wars this sets mm -hmm. the new bar for for acting mm -hmm. I think in Star Wars Andy yes. Serkis and Stellan fuck man fucking incredible even Genevieve mm -hmm. O'Reilly in this episode mm -hmm. oh such an incredible my God. performance I've, like, I have chills right now like it it just like and it just elevates the show to this whole new level when you have these people in it like I mean and like I think you can just tell like the passion that like the actors have for this even like you go mm -hmm. through and like even all of the prisoners they're posting about this show like there's mm -hmm. a certain passion I think that's come along with this project from not only someone like Tony Gilroy and like the writers and directors who have a really clear passion for this story but like the actors too mm -hmm. and it it makes it fantastic and yeah. I also like that's not to say that other Star Wars projects don't have like the same path behind them I just feel like it is particularly you see it in particular in this show with like every single person and yeah god mm -hmm. uh and it was just like once again it's the perfect like the Aldani arc and like um the Ferrix arc I think it was this perfect balance as like this conclusion of triumph and celebration and like sadness that uh that I think Tony Gilroy does in particular very well I think like that was like you know the ending of Rogue One I think is a very prime example of that but like mm. he just does that so beautifully of like managing to balance the hope of Star Wars with the sacrifice and the mm. sadness um mm -hmm. and to do it and to do it not once but multiple times in a show and do it well every single time like it has me shaking in my boots for the no. finale. Because <laughs> I, I, oh I don't know what God. they're gonna pull. <laughs> How the fuck is this going to end? Is my question. I feel like, I like I rest assured that like because this show has topped itself every single episode. No, exactly. And like there's no signs of that stopping. So that just has me like literally vibrating, just like what is because mm -hmm. like we kind of know there's this thing with Krieger and Mothma, like I, I kind of think that Mothma's three episode are quote unquote started in episode eight like in a way because that's when they introduced scolden and then nine scolden came in and they she refused him and stuff and i think or sorry nine and then ten and i think this next episode is gonna be like kind of the cap of mothma's story in that regard and then episode 12 is gonna be like big battle stuff but like i it, it the ball is just like rolling so fast um i have a lot of theories and i like 
I almost don't want to say them because I'm like so scared of being right that I don't want to like spoil it for myself <laughs> or anything. Because no matter what happens, it's oh. going to be so painful. Um, but yeah, it's the finale. Like it has has the potential to be this this kind of two part. They've they've said in the past in, in past interviews it's going to be like a two episode finale. It, it mm-hmm. if it tops like the prison arc, then I'm just like I don't know. Like I don't even have the capacity to process what that's going to be like yet. And there's footage from the trailer, like with the lightsaber ship and like all this stuff, like that we haven't seen yet. And Dedra on Ferrix with Death Troopers, like oh there's so much yeah. stuff that is going to happen that in the next two episodes. Cyril, Cyril, yeah, Cyril in civilian clothes oh now on Ferrix. Val, Val, back up. Like there's still so much. Oh yeah. my fucking! And like we still B2 have the saw leading scene all as well. of the yeah. the people. Yeah, yeah. the big uprising I, on Ferrix. Yeah. Like, it's yeah we'll talk about theories later okay yes i have chills right now (laughs) (laughs) uh it's it's just crazy thinking about the fact that there's this that was not the crescendo of the season yeah what you know um yeah uh general thoughts i guess um andy circus to me that's like a career like i know he's done a lot He's done a lot, but that's like for the genre and for what Andor is trying to accomplish and everything. It's such a perfect performance. Like he gave it everything that it was supposed to have and, and more. Um, I have, I have a hard time putting into words like how much I appreciate the performance because it, it is this um, metaphor for people, you know, obviously it's a commentary on the prison industrial complex, but it's also like a metaphor for people who are imprisoned in a dead end job or people who are imprisoned to a job because they need insurance. Like people that think that if they can play by the rules of this prison for long enough, like they'll get out. But it's like, no, you, you don't ever you just get, get out. Recycled. Yes. You get recycled. Something happens and you're back at square one and realizing that and being like, I, I can't fucking do this anymore. And I'm going to, do something for myself, you know, that is so prescient and so resonant with like just so many people right now. And I I think it's probably one of the most important things that Star Wars has ever said, (laughs) which is why I love this, this arc so much. And that's, that's where most of my thoughts lie with this arc. Um, Obviously like the fun stuff, like seeing Melshi, and Cassian become friends, like, I, I love all that stuff, but this, Kino Loy is, like, my, like... He's the standout he's, in the yes, season, he's, I think. He's, like, my favorite character of the season. Like, I, I love what they're doing with Cat. I love it all, but that arc with Kino is, like, it just stands out as, like I said, one of the most important things Star Wars has ever said. It really feels like... And I think this is why... this really shows why having creators who have different levels of understanding when it comes to Star Wars can really be of benefit to the franchise. It really feels like Tony and the writers kind of set out with like this idea that they had certain messages they wanted to hit on. And instead of taking messages from Star Wars and fitting it into their story, they Mm. took messages and fit it into a Star Wars story. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't aiming to be like, here is like oh we can build on this part of star wars they were like this is what we want to do this is what we want to say about revolutions and rebellions Mm. 
how can we fit this into the story of Cassie and Andor? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Diego helped a lot, even making that more specific to how do we fit this into Cassian as a, as like an immigrant and a migrant story. But mm-hmm. like, and I think that really shines through and like, once again, it just makes like, it feels like, yeah, that's like, it's one of, it's some of the most important messages Star Wars has ever mm-hmm. given mm-hmm. us yeah. in a way too, that feels like it wasn't even like, I don't ever like to say force, but like, you know, in a way that feels so natural yeah yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't feel hammy like part of part of some star wars stuff is the ham yes. like you you like it but like um yeah I, I like what you said about like not trying to find themes in other star wars and like making new stories around those like uh, anytime I, and you know me i'm a sequel girly you know but anytime like oh, I, i'd be watching um an interview about the sequels and they were like one of the things at the heart of star wars is found family and we wanted to like make it tell another story about that like when, when i think about that i'm like I, that's all well and good and i will enjoy that um but that kind of what i was saying earlier about like projecting substance onto a thing or like onto prior star wars like I, that's how i feel about that it's like I, if i if i just sat down and watched star wars i might not immediately tell you that it's about found family but i but it, it's there so that's like like what you said em about them finding a, a thing that they wanted to convey and deciding how to how to fit it into this pre-existing massive story because it's all it's a world it's all there you know you just have to figure out how to do it it's just yeah mm-hmm. it's it's been executed extremely well mm-hmm Well done, crew. Any thoughts? Nothing that you guys have not. <laughs> <laughs> this but is my no. first time I've gotten to gush about this, so it's just all pouring out. So I'm so, like, <laughs> cut, cut me off at no. any time because I I want to hear your thoughts too, Liv. So I'm I'm not trying to, you know, yeah, take it is, over here. This is my favorite arc as well. Hmm. Like this is not even just for Star Wars. I think this is some of the best tv in general Mm. i've Mm -hmm. ever watched like Mm -hmm. this arc specifically it's just i am very much a small well not small i guess but like group of people rising up against Mm. oppressive powers girly like i i love i eat that shit up every single time (laughs) so this was fantastic (laughs) yeah yes i uh like i i guess like it's like it's it's so interesting when it's like I feel like for so long I was just hoping Andor would I hate to say like good Star Wars but I was just hoping like Andor would be a good Star Wars project I was hoping it would be like Rogue One which I also think is just a good movie but like that's the I was hoping that but like I guess I didn't even consider the fact that like Andor could potentially just be some of the best like tv i've watched period <laughs> like i thought it was gonna yeah. be like some of the best stars that i watched like i never even like fully considered the possibility that i would just be like oh this is like one of the best tv shows i've just ever watched in my life <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just and it happens good. to be star wars yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just like, so happens that it's my favorite one of my favorite characters like mm-hmm. if it doesn't get nominated for Emmys or no. Golden Globes. Like that's a snub because it's no. genuinely yeah. some of the best TV out there mm-hmm. right now. Also, the fucking performances. If Andy Serkis doesn't get a supporting mm-hmm. actor nomination, Stellan Diego 
Bix or not Bix, Adria, Adria. like. Adria. You, yeah. you would be missing out on rewarding such incredible talent mm-hmm. that just happens to be from a Star Wars movie. Now, look, this is kind of getting into a wider discourse about the place franchise, like mm-hmm. movies and television shows, have at awards shows. Like, we had this a little bit with Black Panther. We had this with Endgame when it was nominated. Was it nominated for Best Picture? I don't remember. Best but- VFX, right? Oh, that's it? Yeah, I was like, okay. I was like, Endgame was not nominated. No. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> my memory is a little foggy. But yeah. it's getting into the wider <laughs> debate of like how valid I hate to say how valid, but like how valid are these projects are just because mm-hmm. they're part of a franchise. And I feel like Andor could be I I don't want to say the breaker of the glass ceiling, because the connotations of that might not be mm-hmm. great, but it could definitely be like finally overstepping the boundaries in a good way of what mm-hmm. like the the award circuit has set for itself mm-hmm. and if they choose not to reward these like the performances and the things that happen in this show it'll be especially telling just because of what they're actually talking about mm-hmm. not just in the context of star wars but in the world as a whole Anyway, that was a weird spiel to go on. Sorry. Um, no, does anyone I have agree. any final thoughts? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. What Liv said about... Um, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, keep going. I was just going to transition us into specifically... Talking okay, about cool. Mark, so say your other thoughts before. Yeah. Kind of like what, what Liv said and also in in um, tandem with the whole like awards discussion. Like it, it is just this story about people rising up and it's like no matter what franchise does that like that is such a resonant thing for a story to be about like there's um there's it's like its own niche I might be completely losing my train of thought but basically what I was gonna say is like what Liv said about it being um like a story about people rising up and you see that in a lot of these like prestige shows like quote unquote prestige shows like HBO shows and I've seen a lot of people talking about and or like it's like oh it might be it it seems like the type of thing that would be on HBO not Disney plus like it's just doing it's doing these similar stories this rising up story but on the same scale as as those shows because we've, we've seen that story on almost like a fantastical scale it's still big and stuff. We've seen it in Star Wars on a massive scale, but it's like it's zoomed in to the individual pieces that are that that make up the entire story. So it's it's almost like smaller scale, um, but you but you still get the largeness of it because you see how how they interact, and mm-hmm. I think that's like such a key part of why why it's doing it so well. Yeah, that was a bit rambly, but. You know. Uh, we'll get specifically into the prison arc now. We'll start with uh, Caspian. In it. one, one thing I want to say before we start is I think it was it wasn't I think it was Star Wars explained on TikTok, but they pointed out yeah. that before the uprising, Cassian doesn't sleep. And remember, in the Aldani arc, he said that he sleeps like a rock or a stone or whatever but after like meeting Nemec and meeting the other rebels he like doesn't sleep the night before the uprising 
And what they said was that it's the, it's basically like it's becoming more real for him if it wasn't mm. already. Mm. And he's like internalizing it and becoming more not aligned with the rebellion because he's always been aligned with the rebellion, but more active in it. I would mm-hmm. say. And he's yeah. choosing to step, he's choosing to step out of the shadows and not just do something for himself, like not just fighting for himself against these oppressive structures, but fighting with the cause against mm-hmm. these oppressive structures. Oh, I just spit everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, someone take it away. That's just one and, thing I wanted to point out before. And his line to Nemec about sleeping when it's done, he's he's internalizing that too because he's mm-hmm. he's like i'm set mm-hmm. on this now i'm you know i'll sleep when it's done and he does <laughs> you know um r.i.p yeah i just had to make that connection there okay now let's we can finally move on oh yeah well we're talking about cassian so that's actually perfect oh, cool. uh talk about cassian specifically so that yes. actually fits into this <laughs> nice Okay, One question. or I can start. Um, I think... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Go, go, go. <laughs> okay, I was just going to say, what I really love about this is I like how um, each of these arcs and this whole show in general really establishes Cassian's character in Rogue One by giving us hints of the person he will become and this episode in particular did a really good job in seeing and showing us what he did for Jin in Rogue One which is not him being a leader necessarily but inspiring others to lead in the same way that you see him influencing Jin and to her eventually using his own line and her speech to convince the rebellion that's what we're seeing with Kino Mm. is him is him supporting Kino in leading is knowing that maybe he is not the right person for this but he can help someone who is Mm -hmm. and I love seeing that I think the show has done I've said this before I think the show does such a fantastic job building Cassian's character and this was just one of them not only like giving him like once again we see more of this relationship with with Melshi and the way that they work together um but just like that and like it, 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 and it feels so fitting that it happens as they're like breaking out. Cause like it reminds me of like him. I, I don't know. Like it's like the breaking out kind of reminds me of like the prison stuff in where he's breaking out and he's helping Jen escape Jetta hmm. or like helping her, helping, supporting her on um, Scarif. Like I just, I just love that they did that here where it's like, he doesn't take a backseat in the narrative, but he takes a backseat in what we see. And I love that. And I like how we once again, see his skills of like planning and forethought that we've seen before, like in the Aldani arc, um, Cassian is like, he's so observant and he's so in tune with like everything around him that once again it just perfectly connects to like oh yeah that's why you're a captain in rebel intelligence because you don't miss anything and you can and you use that to your advantage always Mm -hmm. and i just yeah and i just love like once again this whole idea of of cassian's rebellion so often being his care for others and his connection to others 
um, making this connection with Kino, with Melshi to fight against the empire because he knows that they can't, that nothing, you can't accomplish it alone and the empire wants you to feel alone. They want to take away that sense of community that you have to make you feel like you can't do anything. And Cassian always goes against that. And I love to see that once again in this episode with his connection with Kino and like that sadness on his face when like he realizes like Kino is not going to escape because for Cassian, mm-hmm. it wasn't just about him getting out. It was about everyone getting out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a really great connection to how to the linkage to Cassian's ultimate selflessness, sacrificing himself for the rebellion, because it's not just about him. It's not just about him being a hero and helping the rebellion. It's about the rebellion winning. It's about them mm-hmm. triumphing against the empire. Mm-hmm. And I just like I just I, I love that and I I every week I am so happy with what they've chosen to do with his character in this show and how perfectly they blend this new information that we have about him and this this man that we don't quite know with the man that we will know um and it's just like this perfect bridge and I'm so excited too to see in season two as we move closer to Rogue One how we really see him continue to transform from like this angry man this angry bitter man that we see here to like this man that eventually is like selfless and full of hope and mm-hmm. purpose mm-hmm. i think i think you brought this up before um maybe or just i don't know i heard it somewhere but i i think it was you who said um leadership isn't being first but it's inspiring others to lead and he mm-hmm. inspired Kino to lead and he was by his side the entire time and of course he inspires Jin to you know lead the mission to Scarif and continue her not what's the word I'm looking for her convictions there we go mm-hmm. he inspires her to <laughs> I was like <laughs> I <laughs> He inspired her to, he basically rekindled her convictions for the rebellion after her being so hurt and basically shattered by what happened with Saw and losing her hope. And then Cassian Mm -hmm. being able to give her that hope back so they could both go on to scare up and ultimately sacrifice themselves for a greater cause. When I'm sure at this point in their lives like both of them about five bby they would not have even dreamed of sacrificing themselves for Mm -hmm. for this cause at all and i think the growth that happens throughout this season and like we're starting to see it still pick up again and of course if we ever get any other gin media um after rebel rising and after saw leaves her i think they're and the not the foil but the parallels in their journeys are very much the same Mm-hmm. I feel like that was just a load of bleh. <laughs> no, that's yeah. I, I I'm not sure. I'm. I, it might have even been M that said it, but like, um, when Cassian first meets Jin, like he kind of sees where he was when he was, you know, just scraping by on Ferrix, or maybe he sees where he was when he was in Imperial custody. You know, like embittered, but with a fighting spirit and directionless. You know, um and definitely agree about like leaders 
good leaders creating more leaders like that being one of Cassian's biggest strengths. And I, I was also having a thought where, um, or when M was talking about how one of, one of his biggest strengths is that, um, his source of his personal rebellion is care for others. Like when, when you see real world organization and, and like real world re revolution, basically, whether it's literal revolution or like just people deciding, okay, enough, you know, like, the people participating in that, like, it's, it's so easy to tell when it actually comes from a nature of like caring for people who have been affected by whatever it is that's occurring, like the most. And when it's coming from, you know, other places. <laughs> um, and I, I think the show is doing a great job of depicting, um, you know, Cassian, he does care for other people. Obviously he has the survival instinct that's innate, but we see him, shifting his focus and you also see like um there there is like division in people that are fighting the rebellion like when saw this what, a couple episodes ago now but was talking about all the um different factions and stuff there are people that are coming at it from like you know personal angles that may not be what cassian is you know what what drives cassian or people like cassian and that's why it's so important to have leaders like Cassian to eventually, you know, um, meld like the Alliance to restore the Republic. Like you need everybody, but you need people like Cassian the most. And yeah, he's the character development. Mm, chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I was also, I was thinking a lot today how there's a really interesting dynamic in this show where basically with the uh there's a real emphasis on how the empire in the show that how the empire does not care about individuals they don't care about the individual people working under them i think that's most like shown through uh cyril mm -hmm. that like he's so desperate mm -hmm. to be recognized individually and the empire's never gonna give him that and like we see that with like I think a lot of like the other ISB even if you are like individually ambitious within the empire like the empire doesn't care mm -hmm. <laughs> but the rebellion there's much more of this emphasis on how individuals on can people. make a difference on mm -hmm. persons on people this. yeah yeah and how like individuals can make an impact how and like how they all contribute Anazani to this one like major driving goal. force mm -hmm. yeah yeah like on you know Aldani it's this and like how that like you know Cassian is such an emphasis on like how he as an individual can help the rebellion can lead the rebellion um and I really love that I love that and I like that you know uh contrast between like our like major evil and good forces mm -hmm. um and I and I think it's really good because I think like and I think when you think of like um, Rogue One, when you think of the lesson, which is like, they, it's like the whole thing with like the Death Star is like, it's not a lot of people like individually remember who stole the Death Star plans. They just remember the big action, but we know each person and we know like how they were individually a hero and how they individually played their role mm -hmm. to help steal those plans. And so I think that this show also kind of expands on that in making like and also I'm like really emphasizing that like 
there were other people outside of the rebellion than Luke, than Leia, than Han. There were mm-hmm. people who who fought and sacrificed for this and they were just as much heroes and they had just as much of an impact even if mm-hmm. we haven't seen their stories or we're not seeing it until now um and I think Cassian is a really prime example of that because in the end what's Cassian's like he's smart there's no denying Cassian is smart and he is and he has something special about him but he is just kind of like some dude yeah <laughs> he's, he's from some he's he's from some planet like it's not his story is his like you know it's not like I'm sure like you know there's millions of other people in the galaxy who have a very similar story to him but like still like to see that like and that's so impactful when you're thinking of yourself we're all just a lot of us are just some dude that doesn't mean that we (laughs) can't make a difference (laughs) exactly Um, this is kind of going a little bit off topic, but kind of in the realm of what you said. So like tangent, but not really tangent. But I remember when Rogue One came out, I don't, my, I talked to my dad about going to see or something. And I vividly remember this. He goes, and I said, oh, it's a movie about how they stole the Death Star plans. And then he said, we already know they stole the Death Star plans. What's the point? The point is you see all the contributions and the sacrifice that went into the not not the seal the the capture slash theft of the plans mm-hmm. and what they gave in order to get these plans to the rebellion mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. i don't know where else i was going with that but this once again emphasizes like the people behind the rebellion and not just the end goal which is something that i'm very grateful for like the tv shows the comics the books they all show the regular people and not just the Jedi and Leia and Han, not like not just the big three, but the people mm-hmm. that helped get the big three to where they are today. I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a thesis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's all I have to say on that. Uh, yeah. Other thoughts on Cassian? I just like how you can see the progression of him really not caring when he gets <laughs> thrown in, in prison to caring a lot a lot <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. it's I don't know I just thought it was really well executed because at the beginning of the season Cassian's like oh I don't care I'm just I'm a I'm a lone wolf kind of guy I'll do what I do I mean he was with the old downy rebels but he was still mm-hmm. kind of standoffish didn't really he wasn't there for the cause but Mm -hmm. because of this arc you can tell that he Mm -hmm. this is a big step yeah this is a big step into him joining fully joining up in the rebellion and like it it will make and like it makes so much sense of like then this being like his motivation to uh you know it seems like relating to like participate lead some sort of uprising on Mm -hmm. ferrix or at least join it in a way that maybe he would not have been compelled to in the beginning Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a good point i'm so excited to see how he inspires the rebellion on ferrix because we know it's coming and it's going to be one of those full circle moments where we see like the the very very bottom of the food chain people start to rise up and then that again feeds into this larger rebellion that's popping Mm -hmm. up everywhere and they're finally going to come together to form the alliance to the 
to Jesus fucking Christ, the Alliance to Restore the Republic. There we go. Okay, that's again all I had to say on that. Uh, next we have uh, we'll just do oh sorry. I was going to say keto. It's Melshi. We'll just do Melshi real quick. We'll do Melshi slash general prisoner roundup mm-hmm. that isn't Cassian and keto. Um, the one thing I want to say is, I don't know if anybody else has pointed this out yet, but I noticed that Melshi hiding behind the wall was very reminiscent of um, a shot oh, of him. him in Rogue One. Yeah. Where he's I like, think, I think I know what talking wall. about. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was very intentional and also I made a tweet that people were very upset with me about but I said that uh this time Melshi actually makes it to the master switch because um I'm remembering correctly in Rogue One Uh, that's how Melshi dies is when he's trying to get to the master switch yeah Um, so man it's uh and then I know a lot of people are pointing out like the whatever happens we made it mm-hmm. and like how that like is might be like a continuing kind of thing for Cassian and Melshi mm-hmm. and like you know when they go to Scarif like whatever happens we made it out like I don't know I think mm-hmm. I said this last week but I think like them being in prison together and escaping together just adds like so much to their relationship and adds so much to like why Melshi would follow Cassian um because like it's not that I'm doubting Melshi's like you know uh to the or like um to the cause but like the fact that he felt he trusted Cassian so much to know that like you you let us out of prison and I I believe that you were leading me to the right thing because to the end always led like to the end like it's Um, Melshi and Cassian are Steve and Bucky if they slayed. Stop! <laughs> oh, my, I can't do this. I can't do this. I already they watched the end of the line, and he was correct. <laughs> he actually did it. Stop! Oh, I've already man. thought way too much about the MCU this week because I saw Black Panther. I I cannot do this. I can't. No, I can't do this. So, but I'm uh, so yeah. I'm uh, so curious to see how they continue like. To build their friendship especially with the next season being chunks of different parts in, in the timeline leading yeah. up like mm-hmm. seeing them grow and be brothers you know like in in rebellion like i am super looking forward to how they develop that relationship i also saw someone yeah. point out how um so like in, in rogue one melshi is like someone had been shot down he's like leaning over them trying to get them to cover even though they're probably going to die and how, it, like, it was, like, a gift set or something. And right next to it was a gif of Kino saying, like, if you see someone who's struggling to get out or get safe, like, help them and, and guide them. And, like, how he took, you know, not only Cassian's leadership, but Kino's leadership, which was inspired by Cassian, like, to heart. And that is still at the heart of Melshi's, um, you know, role in the rebellion up until his last mission is kneel down and and help the person that needs help and like that to me even though we know very little about Melshi that is like just a key tenet of the character just from that one observation um shit is so sad man yeah I mean god I hate this fucking show I 
I know that like Cass or well she was set on the prison extraction for Jin and like we've talked about how like you know that has so much more weight now that we know that he was in prison himself but I part of me wonders if like Melshi even before Jin maybe like intentionally signed up for like prison extraction missions Mm -hmm. because of what he experienced Mm. and I also wonder Mm. how much of him might have been sad that like so much of it was just for the purpose of getting like one specific political prisoner and that he couldn't help the others Mm. who Mm -hmm. he probably knew were just like him and Cassie and like in prison for you know reasons Mm -hmm. for nothing who would never get out because like uh uh uh, Wombi I always say that Uh, well Bonnie (laughs) like the whole thing is not even like your sentence for five years but even more than just like it's not even like they don't make it like uh this where it's like oh you just go to a different floor like maybe but like their whole thing is like you won't even make it the five years like you'll just die in this prison mm-hmm. um and I wonder how much like he knows like you know he is leaving people basically mm-hmm. to, to die to death. and if that if that's something that he has to like struggle with like especially when we're talking about um kind of like these terrible things because like he is a part of that crowd when Cassian says we've all done terrible things for the rebellion and if that's part of like you know for this greater cause him having to compromise his morals of I we have to get this one person out and overall it will help but right now it, it hurts to leave others behind who were just like me and who don't have a Cassian or Kino to help or mm. knowing that like also their prison breakout like Liv had said might have directly caused prisons to be harder to break out because they put in systems that made the prisoners not be in the same groups anymore like made the harder for them to like coordinate something like that oh that just makes me sad man this whole this the first time I watch Rogue One after Andor finishes, it's it's not gonna be good for me. I'm <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we need to all be together anyway. for that. <laughs> I remember oh when I was watching it before Andor came out, and I had to stop because I was actually in tears over uh, the cheer line. We all have, you know, I since you carry your prison wherever you go, and I was like, that's gonna hit so much harder. Oh, Andor, I was like, I was breaking God. myself on the verge of tears just thinking about Andor, so I cannot imagine what my reaction is going to no. be now that I've actually seen that and understand the context. Mm-hmm. I have a I really keep, like, important prediction about that. When we get to predictions, I if I don't remember, someone remind me. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Uh, other prisoners, Ham. Our boy, ham. our boy Ham was Ham was going Ham. <laughs> That's how he got the name. He was the first. He was, <laughs> he was, he the, was first the first to go Ham. He was the first, <laughs> was to, the first to go first... Ham. <laughs> he's he's yeah, Ham dimension. Ham and Zal starting that fight was so. Listen, good when Zal he nudged Ham's he nudged his shoulder that shit was sexy his entire <laughs> like interaction he was so goddamn sexy <laughs> and uh, I, when he got shot down i was like no not so no so i was like no so 
liked uh Bobby's tweet saying like oh it's all like like would have been a really good rebel and and Joseph oh. liked that oh <laughs> it would have been even better if he was a rebel because remember he at the beginning of the show he had some not great things to say about the rebellion I don't remember the line specifically yeah. but he had some not great things but mm-hmm. I think making it out of this prison would have changed him and he would have made such a good rebel especially if he was stationed on Yavin 4 with Cassian and Melshi and whoever else got out of Narkina 5 that joined the rebellion because of that mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. RIP to a sexy king miss you all very much another loss of ginger representation for you yeah. <laughs> one of the only redheads RIP <laughs> But we only have, God only knows what will happen to Bo-Katan, so. <laughs> I still got my Mothma. My Mothma's, I got you. Oh, true. Oh, true. Got, I got her and she got me. We see each other. We see each other. <laughs> Nobody got me. Mon Mothma got me. <laughs> also, uh, I I will get into this more Luthen, but then the line, I think we need all the heroes we can get. And then cutting to Melshi and Cassian. Also, what are the implications of Melshi and Cassian being able to switch? There were other prisoners following them on that beach. It was the two of them. The fuck were they swimming with their hands out? Like they're like swim- somebody. I think I forgot who. Somebody Lindsay Savvy posted pictures of the otters, like where they like you know they have arms <laughs> when they sleep from each other, and they're like melting and, ca- and Cassie Melchie and Cassie and Cassie and they were one of the first people either. They were like in the shits of it, like they got pushed over. Where the fuck did everybody go together? Did they like I the implications <laughs> of that? There are implications. It's it's very. I know what you are. <laughs> like, did everyone get to that beach and they were like oh we're all gonna split and Cassian's like I'm gonna go this way and Melshi's like I'll go with you <laughs> it's, like, it's like the scene in Solo when they both try to go separate ways but then Han still has the thing on his ankle and it gets y- yanked over oh. it's that but it's, it's an emotional oh my god so it's so invisible string by Taylor Swift <laughs> so true. Oh. oh my fucking god this isn't even a Taylor Swift episode I can't get out of here we're Taylor Swiftifying the podcast sorry no. so true sorry at this very moment Taylor Swift is out there somewhere just tits out so <laughs> yeah so if you have not seen her dress no she's having tonight, yeah, a moment tonight she's well, she actually moment. met she met Taika Waititi tonight, so in a way, our worlds are colliding. <laughs> oh, I did see that dress. Yeah. It's a yeah. And she all I could think of only, of course. <laughs> all I could think oh, of yeah, was the... out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all I could think of when I saw her dress <laughs> was, best believe I'm still bejeweled when I walk in the room. I can make the whole place shimmer, but like for the for the listeners, I'm doing the little finger waggle Hand thing. Twinkles. It's like. Yeah, the finger that I saw on TikTok. Dance. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, when, <sighs> when I do a Melshi Cassian playlist that's all Taylor, then you'll see. <laughs> no, that's that's like the Han Balance playlist. Julia has a Han Balance playlist, but only Taylor Swift. I think I sent it to Liv it's like explicit. months ago. It's mm. very good. That's that's so true of her. Julie and I are the same wavelength with <laughs> Star Wars character plays that are all Taylor. 
Um, I don't know if there were, there weren't really any other prisoners. Poor guy who just got in there and who was like all down. He's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Steve. Immediately <laughs> killed. Poor man. Immediately shot. Oh, man. He gave it all Didn't for the rebellion. Yeah. His unnamed I how down he was. Yeah. His, I, I appreciate how down he was immediately. Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be here. <laughs> so sure. Also, <laughs> so we fucked. To, uh, to like push Olaf's body, so the other prisoners had to see it. Ugh. There's not another way out. Like, oh my god! It doesn't look like there is. Because remember, the medic guy only came down the lift too, and that was the only mm. way. Oh, I guess the... I guess one way out. So yeah, because it's like the outside of the star is like there through the control room or whatever. You have to go through the workroom through the tube to get to the sleeping quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, still fucked yeah. up. And it's kind of like, even though, even in death, he is like on the uh, working floor, you know, like uh, he's still can't escape it. Or the only way he can escape is death. Obviously that's like the point, but still uh, imagine being those like workers. And they probably see that often, you know? Yeah. But still knowing it's Olaf hits harder uh, uh kino let me tell you my boy i was i was so vindicated in this episode he is as i said before he is my standout character in the show andy circus's performance his lines his actions everything off the charts perfect he is probably one of my favorite live action Star Wars characters. Not like ranked or whatever, but he's he's mm. like up there in terms of growth, in terms of where he came from, in terms of like where he's ending up. Like, fuck man. What they're doing with Kino is incredible. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked about Kino literally the past two episodes that we've recorded, but what they're doing with Kino was brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's, he's definitely the heart of the arc. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and very very much so crucial to like all the all of Cassian's development that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't work without a character like Kino. Displaying mm-hmm. what Cassian is capable of from a leadership standpoint. Very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like his speech, like I loved. He started out like a little hesitant, and then he just got like stronger and more empowered, and I. I love that. I love, I mean, his line, like, I'm just just gonna assume I'm already dead, knowing that he is surrounded by water, and even if he leads, he will not be able to get out. Like, it's it's just one of those things, like, it's it goes back to what we're saying, where it's like, the Empire tries so hard to rip community from people. And Kino, even though he knows he can't swim, still puts his all into making sure that the other prisoners can escape and how that in and of itself is another uh, resistance against the Empire and against especially what they've taught him to do, which is don't Mm. like don't view your fellow prisoners as people view them as like as cogs in a machine as cogs in a machine as obstacles to you getting out because mm-hmm. you know if they don't do well he's their floor leader you know 
So I think that is just, it's so, it's so powerful. And like knowing how long he's probably known some of those people. uh, And I think once again, like I also saw really like too, when when Andy Liv told us last week about Andy uh, conceptualizing Kino as like, as his backstory as a union leader, I think that also really comes out Mm. in this episode. Mm -hmm. And like, in like the care for it where like yeah maybe he has a little hesitant because being a union leader is what got him here in the first place but now he has to re-channel that to inspire mm. people to rise up <laughs> and yeah Andy Circus's performance like literally anybody mm-hmm. yeah like I mean I think like we all knew like he's a great actor but Mm-hmm. this is this has a per- this show has been particularly good in highlighting his skills also out of mocap because like he does just so much mocap and like mm-hmm. snoke was really cool he did a great performance as snoke but this like is a whole nother thing it's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. and he's knocking it out of the park i don't know baseball terms but those sound right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I went on my little tangent earlier about like him being the metaphor for like a common person, like a prison being a job. Yes. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, what you said about like, he probably knew some of those people in there like for a really long time. Um, It's so funny like that we, I don't know, like I work a desk job (laughs) and I I have known these people for a while now. (laughs) And I know like how I feel about the current, you know, what, what we have to do to keep like the wheels turning and stuff. It like, it's kind of crazy to conceptualize like what, like what if we all got an opportunity to like turn the ship around or, or jump ship? Like it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that materializing in a way um, as real as it did for Kino and like, it's it's inspiring like you know um i don't endorse violent resistance or like anything in like on a personal level <laughs> where don't fire me job basically is what i'm saying but like <laughs> the the chance the chance to do something real and, and material that will like change your life and the lives of everyone around you for the better like we we don't even have a concept for what that might be, but like seeing that come to fruition for five thousand people, five thousand prisoners, you know, mm-hmm. led by this person, it's it's just so inspiring. Like I I see people dissecting the show and dissecting the character, and all this stuff, but like I see people hesitant to make that analog, you know, to the real world, and I just I think it's important yeah. to point that out that this, it's really inspiring in that regard. You know, there's the social yeah. commentary aspect of it, because the what they're going through is a very real thing, the prison industrial complex, etc. But yeah, as as an analog to what like the gears of productivity that we're stuck in, it's it's very real and very inspiring. Mm-hmm. No, like just like thinking about this is like you know, you know, I think about like you know the gears of as you say that like uh like it really just reminded me of like the Amazon workers like mm. you know having to hit those quotas and not being able to take breaks and like all this pressure and then this you know um the the drive for them not to or um you know the force the company wanting them not to unionize mm-hmm. and like how the show kind of like 
I think in the connection that even Andy made like this idea of like yeah not not only this is like showing us like prison labor but also like this idea of showing us the power that like workers can have um, Mm -hmm. especially if they come together and they kind of stand up against unfair treatments but like also we know like and like and we see Mm -hmm. though like too like it's it's hard because of the power that I mean in this show it's like the empire but like the powers that these like huge companies have to Mm -hmm. crush the workers Um, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah powerful uh any yeah anything else on the prison stuff I think this is my favorite arc. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the look on Kino's face when he's saying that he can't swim is so painful. It's so painful. It made me sob. It's like, it's, it's like resignation mixed with not elation, but like relief that he was able to lead these people into their freedom again. And the way that it looks like Cassian is about to go and like help him, but he gets pushed. And then it gets pushed over. Mm. Cause you know that Cassian would have been like, I can help you. We'll we'll figure yeah. this out together. Yeah, but like we'll, we'll help he, you. he gets pushed over. I did I did read a, a fanfic though that Lynn's actually posted. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of fix it, but it still ends very vague. So you don't know if he if he lives or not. But it was so, so good. But My... basically, oh no, you go. No. It's okay. No, no. Okay, I was, go. I was just gonna say the the premise of the the fic was like, there's like no one left on there. He's pretty much by himself. There's only one other guy, and he, the guy offers to help him swim, and he knows like. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'll just drag us both down. We'll both drown. And the guy's like, I used to be in the Navy. We'll be fine. I'm like, oh, oh. that's so sweet. But it doesn't so tell, sweet. it ends with them like jumping off of the platform. So you oh! what happens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I fear so deeply because they made that comment where it's like, is he dead? I fear so deeply that the episode, the next Andy. episode is going to open with him with him being uh, interrogated, interrogated oh, that's by what the I'm ISP afraid of too. because of the prison outbreak. Oh my god! It's one of those things, like, it was like the situation with Gorn, where some people were like, "Well, Gorn might not be dead." I was like, "Okay, but if he isn't dead, they're they took mm-hmm. him in and they tortured yeah. him." Mm-hmm. So it's like if Keto isn't dead, he definitely got like you know taken it's in scooped by up. scooped up and is being tortured for information which of course like and i mean and like i also wonder too like if he doesn't give him like i wonder if like i'm assuming they have some sort of cameras in arkina 5 so they're gonna mm. be like they had to have that's fucking yeah so like it, it's it's gotta be it's gonna be really funny when the empire realizes that they fucking had cassie and andor the <laughs> whole time and he escaped again <laughs> Um, the only other thing I want to say, what the fuck did Melshi do to Kino? Yeah. Yeah. The way <laughs> he said so his, his written name, like a name, like a curse word. <laughs> Melshi. Melshi. Jesus. No, he right. had to die. He had to die because if he lived, he would have like, I tweeted this, but he would have throttled Melshi. Yeah. And then the one wouldn't be canon. 
because he would be dead. <laughs> he would be dead. I was like, Melshi, what did you do to this man? Why does Keto hate you? Oh my god. He's probably just a shithead. And and Kino was like, I can't stand you. I cannot Good for him. you. <laughs> yeah. He's just like me for real. Melshi. Melshi. Truly. Uh We'll quit our quick inner. We'll do our quick Ferrix interlude. <laughs> uh, what the what 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 was up there? I knew What's that fucker was familiar. I knew his hat looked familiar. Yeah. He, it wasn't the until hat? Ephraim's tweet that I was like, I was like, because I was like, they focused on him for so long. I was like, no, the camera framed on him Imperial way I too long yeah. for him to be insignificant. It was so like one of those. Like, it was oh, like you are of- almost. Yeah, and so when you were like, oh, it's Dedra's team, I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. so much sense. And also, the hat was weirdly imperial. Like, it looked like like the stupid little yeah. cap they wear. So, like, my, my brother in Christ, if you're going to go undercover as an ISB agent, why would you wear the uniform that you would wear as an ISB agent? <laughs> anyways. Yeah. I could, I could tell, like, from the camera training that it, I was like, okay, he's an imperial. But I'm like, the, yeah. the Empire has a presence on Ferrix, so why do they need... Why didn't they need you know spy? like plain clothes well, spies? They, yeah, well, maybe they wanted I mean, a spy that like is involved in the community a little bit more, well, and like they could know if there are any inklings. Mm-hmm. Also, know? remember they said that they specifically were watching Marva. Mm. I think that's it. Is I because think because Cassian could come back. They, they don't want an imperial presence around Marva because exactly, if Cassian comes back, they want him to be mm-hmm. able to like walk in and see her, but yeah. then to be notified. And I don't, I don't think they, then that makes me think they also haven't released Bix because I feel like Bix would probably go see no, Marva. they definitely have. Mm-hmm. So, or like, or like if they do, it does still, I guess it still works because like she can say she was tortured, but that doesn't mean that they're watching. Well, I guess she could be like, they asked me about Cassian. So the assumption mm-hmm. is that they're watching, but then, and then we know that Cinta is also watching for Cassian. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so curious how mm. it's going to come to a head. And like, no, if like- that Imperial guy is now getting suspicious of why Cinta is watching mm-hmm. her, if he's like, like, what's up? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't is Cinta watching for Cassian just because she wants to know like what he did after he left um Aldani they're watching because or, they were told to kill him remember yeah that was, but, like uh, is, all those are they years, still then... gonna go through with it is my question well, well no attempt to go through with it they actually built the Death Star as an elaborate plan to assassinate Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a part of their ruse <laughs> to kill him. Um, Rubbing my I hands together maliciously. I here's the thing. I know a lot of people were like, Val hates him. I don't mm. think Val hates him as much as people no. like to say because mm-hmm. I think that Val is getting fed up with Lucid. We saw yeah. that with her interaction with Leia. We, I think she's getting fed up with this whole thing with not being able to be with Cinta because of, you know, the cause and stuff, which like, and she seems determined. I think that th- she does not hate Cassian as much and I don't think she hates him enough to try to kill him. I think they're going to end up siding together mm-hmm. in this. And I think that she, because I think he's going to be like, I want to help these people stand up and it's going to kind of be 
that reminder like Cassian had in Rogue One where like Val and Sinta kind of like remember what they're doing this for really they're not doing mm. it so they can protect Luthen's identity yeah. from some guy they're doing it because they want to help the people and Cassian mm. is trying to help the people so and they want to help the people of Ferrix. so I mm-hmm. think that that that's my kind of prediction um mm-hmm. but I love seeing Cinta for like two seconds. That was a nice little reprieve. She was serving. <laughs> she looked great. She was serving. She was. She was serving. Didn't she have like what a little blue vest on? She was slaying. Is green? Green? Oh, green vest. Yeah, let's she, makes, add, she makes a good fairy. Let's add colorblind to my list of <laughs> grievances. Right. Um. <sighs> We'll move on then to uh, Coruscant. We'll start with mm. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma's scene this week. Mm. I, I, I don't even have words to describe the way I felt during this scene, but the her conversations being mediated by Tay and he him saying like she knows how to manage her time effectively and then Davos Golden is like you're very efficient but when Davos said when Golden said I have a son I I literally gasped and my hand flew to my mouth because I knew exactly what was going to happen and I knew exactly what was going to come out of his mouth mm-hmm. and her the way she like you can see the rage like explode out of her and you can see her face like solidify and her lip like get tense like it does when she when she's angry Mm -hmm. fuck man i've talked about genevieve o'reilly's acting before this was fucking insane Mm -hmm. no because like go, go ahead because Mothma's whole thing is that she p- always puts on a good face and she uh, is always pleasant even if she doesn't like what mm-hmm. the other pe- person is saying. But she, like, snapped instantly. No, she fucking mm-hmm. snapped in this episode. Mm-hmm. She I is... Know. I love yeah, it. Her character arc in, in this season has been so amazing because, like, she kind of starts out from this place of, like, she wants to use the Senate. She wants to use the established power structures to affect change and all this stuff. And she's slowly learning that she can't, she can't like, she can't keep a grip on it all. Um, and I think, I mean, unfortunately, I guess this counts as a prediction, but I think something really tragic is going to happen in her circle. Like my, one of my death predictions is Tay <laughs> because like, I think she, no. I, which I, I love him, but, um, I, I think she's going to lose it because all of this fighting and all, all of the actual material losses of the rebellion happened so far away from her that she has mm-hmm. the luxury of, you know, scolding Luthen when he actually takes an action mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, something is going to happen that makes it extremely real for her. And I think this thing yeah. with scolding is partially that mm-hmm. or, or setting that up. Um, but I also love the parallel because in, in Luthen's speech, which we'll talk about Luthen, but he talks about how he's condemned to use the tools of his enemy to fight them. Um, and Mothma is put in this position where she could be condemned to use the tools of a system that has oppressed her, this arranged marriage 
situation on Chandler, which is, which is, you know, a tool of tradition, but it's a, it's, you know, if we're thinking conceptually, it's like, um, when you're thinking about oppression and thinking about systems that keep people in the places that they are, like, even, even though the rebellion is, is condemned to use the tools of the empire, like they must never use them to perpetuate oppression. And so Mothma's like refusal to do that to her own daughter, um, like to con continue on this tradition, even though that it might make a material difference for the rebellion, I thought was really clever bit of, um, like character work between like the themes Absolutely. that were running concurrently in the episode. Um, yeah. So, That's why yeah. I hate when people are like, oh, I think she's actually considering it. And I'm like, no. No, she's no. Not. She's no. not. Davo wanted I to convince her she... that she was considering it, but she knows that she's, she's not. not. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Well, and I think like people have for so long before the show, all we saw was Mon Mothma as this like leader. And because she didn't have any background, it was so easy to just be like, oh, oh everything she's done. You know, but I loved seeing like what you're saying, like this very human thing of like, like, I don't want to say it's selfish because I don't think, I think saying that you don't want to marry your teenage daughter and force her into a, an arranged marriage is selfish. But in this like case, it's like, yeah, like she is considering the well-being of her daughter over like this entire cause that she's been building um, but I think there is something like I like that I really love that she just does not want to condemn Lita to mm. the life that she has had. She doesn't want to condemn Lita to this this loveless marriage where mm. they're stuck with this person forever. Like, um, and part of me, like I wondered too, like, you know, I think Lita said, I feel like somewhere it said that Lita was pretty into like Chandrillan tradition. Yeah, I think they said that but, like, in the I second episode wonder, she was like, in. Yeah, but like I also do wonder like how much Mon Mothma would hope for Lita what Val has, which is like an opportunity to meet someone that she actually loves. And also and to be gay. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I also think like I mean it's actually really interesting to consider that like it he does specifically ask about a husband which like in Star Wars that is like not always the case so this idea that like Herod canonized Val... homophobia, homophobia. <laughs> but like this idea that like I didn't talk about this last week but like this idea that Val would be condemned to essentially hide who she actually was and just kind of have to like force off being married and like maybe like you know as she's like as people are saying that she needs to find a husband she's maybe starting to develop feelings for like girls that she knows and like how she handles that like that's really interesting and like part of me is like oh like you know Lita loves Val so much what if part of that is like because Lita is like her in mm. that way that like there is that connection of like mm -hmm. she understands me in a way my parents will never because she is like me in a way my parents are not mm -hmm. um yeah I don't I don't know it's so hard and like just the fear on her face to know that like like she just didn't ever want to make Lita marry someone like Perrin mm -hmm. and like I don't know. It's so sad. It's so sad because, yeah. like, 
she wants something better it, for her daughter than, than yeah. she has yeah mm-hmm. well and like this entire idea and that feeding into like this entire idea of like why she's even fighting the rebellion in the, in the first place is like part of it is to ensure that her daughter has a better world world to live in mm-hmm. um but that also like she like so that's also that challenge in her brain of like giving her daughter a better world to live in but also like letting her daughter live a good life currently <laughs> so like mm-hmm. i wonder if like that's also kind of a challenge that she's balancing mm-hmm. and i wonder if it'll ever i mean come up like with lita um i don't know i don't know and i'd be I'm so curious too to see how if Lita and Mon Mothma end up like kind of reconciling um, their mm-hmm. kind of strained relationship, depending especially on like what Perrin does, or if it's something Perrin. that we're gonna con- if it's something that we're gonna see continue in the season two, this kind of strained relationship, and like also would be really interesting as she grows um, and gets older, like if it's like suddenly you have this whole thing of like the kind of uh, Bale and Brea debate. Uh, do you tell your child that you're involved? But then in this case, like, not only do you have this debate, do you tell your child, it's will your child tell like the other parent? Yeah. Is your child, will your child even support this in a mm-hmm. way that I don't think was ever a debate for uh, Bale and Brea? Like that might be for Mon Mothma, but like as mm-hmm. much as you love your child, it you know, you don't know, they could turn, they could turn you in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been loving what they've been doing with Mon Mothman in the show and she's quickly rising to become not again not like a ranked Star Wars character but like a character I enjoy seeing mm-hmm. like I'm always now looking forward to her to her appearances in like Star Wars 2020 um I have to go back and read Aftermath once I finish this whole High Republic cake I'm on mm-hmm. but seeing like the foundations of where she is, like especially in like the point two seconds we see her in like Rogue One and Return of the Jedi, she's again be- quickly becoming one of my favorite characters, um, just because we see what she's had to go through and sacrifice for the rebellion, because she's characterized especially in like the later uh, movies and a little bit in um, in the Clone Wars, like the two se- the two or three episodes she's in and in Rebels, she's characterized as like this pacifist who really like doesn't want to do anything wrong and like from what I picked up from what they put down, they like insinuate that she really doesn't do anything and she doesn't mm. like help enough or I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. but we get to see what she's actually having to fight against and what she's having to sacrifice um, in, in this show specifically that will then lead on to again, her defection. Is she technically an Imperial defector? I think she is like her defection from the empire. Oh, in- I don't, well, she's, I don't, no, I don't consider, consider her a defector because she never subscribed to the empire you know like she never believed even because even before she kind of like stood against like palpatine Mm -hmm. so yeah to be an imperial defector i think you at least have to have kind of believed in the empire Mm -hmm. which is like i think the bad batch kind of counts because like they kind of were like, we'll give this whole thing a shot. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Mon Mothma was ever like, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> Which is just, you don't, you dabble a little bit in fascism. You try it out. <laughs> you decide if it's funny or not. I did a little fascism. The Bad Batch said no. It wasn't for me. 
Crosshair said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Crosshair said yes. Mm, delicious fascism juice. <laughs> Crosshair said I will take a whole scoop of that fascism. <laughs> I don't know what I would call her then. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just gonna. I, I don't know. Whole thing. Whole point. I'm trying to say is that we get to see what she's giving up for this rebellion mm-hmm. because we really like have not seen that at all other than like the couple episodes of rebels she was in when she was on yavin far four i think mm-hmm. i haven't watched rebels one mm-hmm. time but yeah basically in summation love mon mothma in this show mm-hmm. yes um really quick I put Dedra, but I think it was just I wanted to really quickly reference Lonnie so we could go into the mm. Luthan stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I feel like this, like what we said, like it kind of puts his actions like before he was, they were talking about like him not doing stuff. And like, I think now it's like when you realize like right. he's gathering information, like the questions that he asked, like their focus on him in meetings, like it all makes sense and like it all builds so well to him being a defector uh mm-hmm. or like a plant in the isb um also i don't think people were like i think that's his son no i think mm-hmm. no he's like some well, why guy. does he know he has a son or whatever i was like i was like guys I, because one, he has I surveillance like he just has surveillance Clea is gathering information because he she they want to know how to keep people in line like you know mm-hmm. and also too I don't think that Luthen is talking to people like Val and Lonnie in this over familiar way because he is like a parental figure to them I just think that's how he talks to all people who are younger than yeah him. <laughs> like you ever had that old customer just think that's how he talks yeah <laughs> Yes, I agree. <laughs> he just is over familiar. <laughs> also, one thing I want to point out before we go, because this is like directly leads into Luthen. Um, he gives that kind of tip to uh to Partigaz, uh the guy who plays the maester on Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, um <laughs> oh no. He gives him the the tip to like we should just do what we normally do. And we should still investigate it just so that Anton Krieger's cell doesn't think that there's anything wrong. Um, and again, just not to see that anything's wrong, but that he still gives Luthen the heads up that they're going in for, um, I don't remember if he tells me directly that they're going in to still examine the, the, the wreckage, but mm. they're, they like know about the raid on Spellhouse. So that mm-hmm. like directly leads us into um, Luthen's little speech, which is one of the best performances I've ever seen in Star Wars. Period. Mm-hmm. So, does anyone else have any it's thoughts also, on? Oh, go ahead. It's very callous helping to investigate who this spy is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder who that could be. Anyway, you're so obvious with something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we should just go about our business like normal. <laughs> I hope he survives. That's all I have to say. As a yeah. as a dad of a so young true. baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. 
and and Hay's other redhead representation. <laughs> True. Yeah, that'd be a major blow. <laughs> Who do I have left after this? I have. Well, is Callus ginger? No. No. Callus, he's, no. he's like dirty blonde. He's blonde. Okay. Oh, but what do we have? Like borderline. Have, yeah. We have Mon Mothma, Bo Katan, uh, Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis, my bestie. Um, we have that. We have that one guy from Fallen Star, Regal Cole. Is he a redhead? Reginald, I don't. Reginald. I... <laughs> Reginald. Reginald. Did they mention him having a red hair? Or did you just project I that? Because that's valid too. <laughs> I think they vaguely did because I remember when I was reading it, someone made a joke about it. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe I hallucinated that. I don't know. But anyways, besties, we're severely lacking in Yaddle, redhead representation. <laughs> Cannot Emphasis Nest. Emphasis Nest. Very true. true. Very true. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, that's kind of... That's major. That's our total. <laughs> <laughs> Remember um, when Emily met Emphasis? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was <laughs> insane. I, I saw uh, her. When and then she shows Solo. up in Andor season two. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her when I was watching Solo last night. I was like, oh, that's the person that Emily met. That's Emily's friend. <laughs> that's Emily's bestie. <laughs> bestie of the pod. <laughs> bestie of the pod, Aaron Kellyman. <laughs> uh <sighs> lupin i thought this was possibly one of the best speeches ever written in star wars it is one of the best Agreed. summarizations i've ever seen of um rebellion leaders um i think basically i said this on twitter everything in that it, i mean you look at leia you look at you look at Jin, you look at Mothma, Bale, um, Hera, and especially Saw. Mm-hmm. It is just, it is. I it's made my perfect. my my mind a, a sunless place. I, I share, share my, my dreams, dreams with, with ghosts. ghosts. That is one of the hardest <laughs> fucking thinking, lines in all of Star Wars. Like I just, I kept thinking back to Rebel Rising where Saw kept saying how the rebellion needs martyrs like Stila. And mm-hmm. how Stila like really inspired him through his whole life, and you know, it, Leia sharing her dreams with her parents and all of oh. the Albani people who were killed. Jin sharing her dreams with Saw and and Lyra and Galen, mm. and I I I burn or it's like I burn myself for a sunrise that I will never mm. see. Yeah. And like, like how more fucking on, talk- more on the nose that can you get than that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For Cassian, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> and then like the whole part about um, I'm condemned to use the tools of my mm. oppressors to defeat them. Um, I've talked about this before, but it really reminds me of uh, Franz Fanon's Richard of the Earth, and I've talked about this before in connection with Saw Gerrera, how basically his um, kind of thesis is that the col- uh, it is like the colonized have to use violence against the colonizers. It's really the only mm-hmm. way that they can escape. And mm-hmm. it reminded me, that reminded me of this, that like 
and a lot of Saul's, Saul's mentality of like violence is really the only thing that the empire responds to it's it's mm-hmm. we see that like yes like they uh they don't respond to what's happening in the senate as much as mon mothma would like them to and i'm not saying that mon mothma isn't an effective leader she is just not in that way um mm-hmm. they respond to the violence they respond to the big acts like eldani um like what saw does uh like what happens on scarif um and yeah like it's just like yeah it's i loved i love that line and i love it and i hope that a lot of people take it to heart especially when looking at leaders like saw because i think it's so easy for people to take that speech and apply it to leaders that they really like like mm-hmm. Leia it's like oh she's so great and like all this applies to her but like I think a lot of that speech is supposed to is really symbolic of of Saw and yeah. you know Luthen who who are who do operate in what we would probably say is like more of that morally gray area but of course to them and in this situation it is definitely more of that mm-hmm. you know black and white um mm-hmm. But I just, yeah, I just, I, I, I loved that speech and I loved, you know, everyone has their own, like, I think it's like true. It's like, so everyone has their own sacrifices and a lot of the times the sacrifice is what he says. It's like, when you're a rebel leader, you just, you have to sacrifice like what, like this kinship, this kindness, Mm. you have to look at stuff in such a critical way, but then like, I think what's so some or like what builds so well is like when you lose sight of all of that entirely, you lose sight of what's at the heart of the rebellion. And like I think that we see that with Cassian so clearly in Rogue One is like he got so caught up in like kind of being this like cog in the rebellion that like he kind of lost sight of why he was even in it in the first place. Hmm. And Jin kind of wakes him up, and that's why he ends up going to Scarif against the wishes of the rebellion, despite the fact that he's done everything to follow uh what the rebellion has told him to do mm-hmm. mm. well put <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry sorry also no no, no it's it fine i was gonna say that i was gonna say that that everything that he said after what what have i given or like what have i sacrificed so powerful and probably one of the most powerful Star Wars moments because he has really sacrificed everything in order mm-hmm. to be a vessel for mm-hmm. this movement. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, so, I you know. I don't know. Oh. You go ahead. It's all good. Go Mine ahead. was more of a speculation thing. Go ahead. No, no, I have a, I have a separate <laughs> thought, so go. Okay. I He talks about you know, he said, I wake up to an equation I wrote 15 years ago, you know, when, when the Republic was reorganized, you know, like, I wonder about what he's lost. Um, and like, how he became involved in the first place. And it's not necessarily that I'm like, Ooh, I want to see that story about my Glupshido or whatever, you know, <laughs> but I just, there's so many, so much inferred, like, <clears throat> pain in that speech. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that makes and you know you don't need to know any of that it's just his delivery tells you like all of that 
and mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think it's an award yeah. winner for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just find what motivates people to the rebellion so interesting. Like, yeah, like what like you woke up to the equation. Like it it also makes me wonder like where did he stand in the Clone Wars? Like how much did that have an effect on his ideology going into this? Where does like his relationship with Clea fill fill in? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. Also, I'm curious because a lot it, it was interesting to me how the way it was filmed, it was very reminiscent of a lot of Star Wars, but not in a way that like you can really make a connection to. He's in that billowing cape and mm-hmm. he's on that walkway. And it's so reminiscent of like the Darth Vader, some of the Darth Vader scenes, uh the Kylo and Han scene mm-hmm. on Starkiller mm-hmm. base. Um I mean probably like I think maybe if anything that they were going for, it was um, Jin on the platform against Krennic. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I did think it was, but then but then because of the lighting and the black cape, it very specifically reminded me of those Darth Vader, Kylo Ren moments, which was interesting because like, those are so separate from like what this is, mm-hmm. is. so maybe, I don't know, I was very, I was very curious about that. Maybe it's supposed to represent the darker reality of what Jin was saying. Mm. And that's reflected Ooh, by the language. Yeah. Yeah, but like I was like, oh, that framing was so It was intentional, definitely. Yeah. It it was intentional too because um and it's also like and I also was kind of reminded too of like the way that they like um the way that in a lot of in some ways in Rogue One they tried to kind of intentionally give um Saw like a Darth Vader like thing where it's like uh with the specific way like his breathing um Mm. and that was also something that I was like wondering if that was like is that is like it's this idea that Anakin sacrificed everything for the dark side and Mm. Luthan sacrifices everything for the rebellion um if that was kind of supposed to be this play up of like mm. in the same way of it's a good point Darth Vader being like being a mastermind you have some people like Luthen and Saw who gave everything for the opposite side and suffer mm-hmm. because of the choices that Anakin made I don't mm. know but then also, I don't know who directed this episode, so I don't. It's also like I Toby guess it Haynes. On, like Toby Haynes, yeah. So I think I don't know if he. I think he is a Star Wars fan, so I do kind of think maybe it was just like a cool kind of homage to it. Could just be a, like a visual. Uh, it could have been. It, but... it could have been like the same thing with Bix's interrogation scene, where it's a callback, mm-hmm. like the, the callback to a New Hope. Some something along those lines, but yeah, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this episode, uh, or if not, theories for? I say next week and the rest of the show, but since it's the two part pe- two part finale, just like theories for the finale. Mm. I don't even want to theorize about the show at this point because it's just I so know. good that it's going to exceed my expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear him. I want to hear him. I 
people get people make fun of me i still think cyril is going to defect um i think something is going to happen on ferrix and i think that he is if not join the rebellion i think that he is going to have his turn against the empire i think mm. i think the fact that once again an interview an interview coming out two weeks before the finale of toby uh, or tony saying cyril's ideology is not firm yet but also saying Honestly, that Dedra's is mm-hmm. why can... why is he hinting at that why is he saying that if it's so clear that cyril is going to just be another villain i can kind so of see I that think that's a possibility mm-hmm. and i also I... think like this idea of like him running into cassian again or him seeing ferrix again that's exactly what i was trying to get at could be you know his his arc his his one of his lives ended on ferrix and now he kind of begins anew on the same Mm -hmm. place i think there would be something there um he could be a villain i just think that there's been a lot of hints and stuff to him not um and tony loves imperial defectors and (laughs) i think that there's a real opportunity with cyril to in season two to deeply explore what it means as an imperial defector to gain the trust and forgiveness and and really build atonement with someone that you very directly harmed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of plays exactly oh go ahead that's just been something that i think has really been missing in the star wars imperial defector story the closest that i think Mm -hmm. we got was callus but i even think that there were in my opinion conversations between callus and zed that were missing Mm-hmm. yeah that should have gotten us to their final we're going to live together <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like I love them but but feels like we maybe missed a conversation or two to get us yeah. to that point mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I think this idea of 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 Cassian of Cyril having to face that and then also Cassian having to really um be like that I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know I think that's interesting um, I'm predicting that Val and Cinta will live just because I think that they shouldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they should get to live. I also think it would be interesting to have them in season two and as a part of the uh, wider Rebel Alliance. I think it'd be interesting to see where they fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and um, Marva is dying. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh. My prediction is Cassian is going to find out that Marva is sick. He's going to go. Marva is going to be in her house being like, no, please don't come and don't be here. Get out of here. And then Dedra is going to like step out of the shadows. Yeah. And they're going to find him. Uh, and they're going to insist on telling them who Axis is. I think there's going to be some reason that Cinta. And Val are going to have to call Luthen to Ferrix. Um, I think maybe the partisans could show up on Ferrix. I think I so. Think really cool. Because we still haven't seen that last conversation between mm-hmm. him where he goes, let's call it war. Mm. Yeah. And I think, and I think having the partisans on the mission, because uh, we don't know if Cassian has met Saw, but we do know from Rogue One, they said they mentioned how he did have a connection with one of the partisan members um so i think this could be an interesting way to introduce that and then explore that and i also think seeing saw work more in alliance with people would make 
a good grounding for him joining the the alliance and then eventually leaving Mm -hmm. um and uh i think most people i said they said something like 30 characters are making it into the next season clearly cassian and melshi are um i think dedra is gonna be just is gonna continue to be a villain totally um Mm -hmm. and i think that i think bix is making it because i think uh she's just i think she's filming yeah Mm -hmm. and i hope that brazo makes it too (laughs) i would love to i would love to see brazo in the rebellion i think really cool and i think this idea in season two of you know when cassian says you're not the only one who's lost everything clearly this is laying a lot of groundwork but the idea that cassian there would be people from ferrix who joined the rebellion and then cassian had to like slowly lose them throughout mm-hmm. his like four mm. years before rogue one would hit really hard um and kind of this like isolation again of like it'd be really interesting like as you know this focus on cassian is kind of constantly gaining and losing community um mm-hmm. so to see as he's like kind of gaining a community in the rebellion losing the one that he had on Ferrix um through people would be mm-hmm. great um mm-hmm. yeah and I also, I guess Luthen is also making it, uh, I think a lot of people, he was a big, probably going to die. I think he's probably going to die in season two, but mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if he's going to take on more of a mentor role. This is getting way into it, but, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that Marva's death is going to be the real tipping point for oh, yeah. the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's sick, so I think, but I think that there's, she's going to do something that's going to, she's going to do something and because of her sickness, it's going to make her particularly vulnerable. Um, and I think the community will really rally around her um, as like wanting Imperial in the Imperials out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to make it especially tragic, you could just have her killed by a death trooper. And then that adds a whole layer and a whole nother layer to the parallels between Jin and Cassian that we've seen. Mm-hmm. um losing their parents to that as like their parents are standing up against a force that like they're not going to win against but they do it anyway mm. um yeah with the, like you know i just imagine like the chris white dedra marva standing against dedra and it's like that you know similar to that scene with krennic the mm-hmm. contrast mm. yeah totally well this kind Wait, of came Eva, up with your theory Oh yeah. Go ahead. Um, shoot. I don't. I don't remember specifically the thing that I was supposed to circle back on, but my. So I. My theory for fair. What happens on Ferrix is like very similar to yours. Like I think Marva's. She knows she's gonna die of this illness, so she kind of takes this last stand, and um, is hurt. And I'm not sure whether Cassian will be there before or after that i'm i'm trying to figure out how cassian and how how he ends up hearing about marva being sick or he hears about this thing that happened and people are mm-hmm. already rising up on ferrix and so that's why he goes back because they they would you know revolt in response to her being hurt you know mm-hmm. so i'm not sure exactly how he ends mm-hmm. up there but um but my big brain main theory for like <laughs> what culminates in the final episode is that Luthen actually 
orchestrated the Imperial or orchestrated Krieger's pilot getting captured um, to put the Empire on the offensive at Spellhouse so that he could then rally in Saw to effectively make Krieger, Krieger owe Saw a favor and to, like boost camaraderie between the rebel factions. Because oh. we know Luthen's playing this game of like getting the rebels to work together. And he lies to yeah. everyone about everything that he's doing. So, and he has an eye on on knowing for sure that the Empire is going to be on the offensive, knowing for sure that Krieger is fucked, and basically giving Saw the opportunity to go balls to the wall and and like score this massive victory for his own. You know, it's not he's not working with Krieger, but he knows more than Krieger and can like effectively. Um, be be the one to put well, dirt in the eye of the Empire in that situation. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think that Saw, or, like, Luthen can definitely play on the fact that, like, Luthen lies. He keeps his, what he's doing hidden. But mm-hmm. everything that Saw does, he always, he, it's not that he claims it, but, like, he doesn't hide because he mm-hmm. goes on the missions himself. Anybody who survives the mission would be able to say, I saw this guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he's very fine with putting his face to his actions in a way that mm-hmm. Luthen isn't. So I do wonder if like what you're saying, this playing mm-hmm. of like Luthen can orchestrate it or unlike Ferris, orchestrate it. So it seems like this was a partisan thing. Mm-hmm. Then we saw Guerrera who went and helped these poor people when really like Luthen was behind it. Um, yeah. In this attempt to try to keep his cover. And also I think like too, like that it could start to lay this groundwork with like more tension with Saw and the Rebel Alliance because if he already has these issues with how you know maybe Mon Mothma is running things if he also has these tensions with Luthen and how oh I'm always putting my face to this I'm always putting my team on the line mm-hmm. but like none of you are taking it like how that could kind of lead to like more tension um, yeah. between and, and set up that eventual split yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah and I, I think it's no you know, accident that saw his main gripe and in, in his appearance that we've seen so far is with I, all the ideologic splits between the rebel factions. And it's like, that seems like where they're taking him in this season, you know, who knows how much more we'll actually see of him. But to me, that's a little bit more um, in, in line with what we've seen from him and Luthen's relationship so far than him just like, Sure, I'll come to Ferrix, you know, <laughs> which I would I would love to see yeah. some sort of like rallying like that at some point. But yeah, that's that's like my main I, I think that's gonna be the culmination in episode twelve. And I think episode eleven it's like the tension ratcheting up for that, but we see so there was someone cast for Davos Golden's wife, like forever ago, and we haven't seen her yet. So I think mm. Mothma is going to invite him back, like he asked. But in in an attempt yeah. to get another deal out of him, so he brings this whole family, like his wife and his son, and and tries mm-hmm. to get another deal out of him. But he's a mobster, and like he doesn't like her pulling, you know, like trying to play these cards or whatever. And maybe that's what ends up getting mm-hmm. Col- Tay Colma in in hot water. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, like, yeah. you know, like I said, Sk- Skolden was kind of mentioned first in episode nine, so it's like nine, ten, eleven is Mothma's three episode final arc in in a way all of that stuff culminating um mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, I totally don't remember the other thing that yeah. I was like, I'm going to bookmark I, this, but... <clears throat> and, like, it... And I think... I think you froze for a second. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I... Okay. Um, I'm also curious, too, if we... Uh, I feel like we've been building up to it, but like, I don't know. Like, I'm curious now to see with the only two episodes left if Ma and Mothma and Cassian will end up meeting. And I've been thinking about that really too. Feels like mm. we're building to we building this connection to everyone. Like, I do think that Cassian and Dedra will end up interacting again. I think we're gonna see Cyril and Cassian interact again. Um, there's no doubt to me that like Cassian will interact with some. Luthen, whether it be Luthen himself again or it be just Valencinta. Um, but I mean, like, I'm so curious to see how he gets connected to Mon Mothma mm. and grown into like the bigger alliance. Cause I think that's what we thought, like, a lot, a lot of us thought it was building to. But like, I'm curious if it's just gonna end up being like, since Val and Cassian joined forces again, maybe Val brings him to Mothma mm. and mm-hmm. that's how they get introduced um, or something like that. Especially because it's it's like Mon Mothma is so far removed from like the stuff that we've seen with the fighting, which Cassian has been in the middle of. Um, I'm curious and then I'm curious to see them continuing to sort of bridge the gap between them as we go into uh season two and get closer to you know what we see at the beginning of rogue one between them where like mm-hmm. they do have some familiarity mm-hmm. for sure uh, any other thoughts i also am scared for b2 i don't think he's making oh. this season either <laughs> but I still kind of believe in the theory that Cassian is going to take parts of him or something and it's going to end up being uh, part of what he uses to reprogram K2. Mm-hmm. He kind of he has a little bit of the sass of K2. Like a little bit. Like the yeah. um, the deadpan-ish mm-hmm. element. I don't think it can be his personality because like it can't be like a personality chip or something because uh maybe that's not from Star Wars. That might be from another side. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, uh B2 B2 is a lot sweeter um than yeah. mm-hmm. K2 is. But I think something um, you know, to carry, if not just the idea that um, if not used actually just kind of this idea that like Cassian is so trusting and um you know caring of droids because of b2 and ultimately mm. too even because b2 sacrificed himself for cassian mm. possibly i had this i guess also, this I also counts like as a talking about no you go ahead I'll, I'll jump in afterwards oh i was just saying when we were talking about all these like you know how they keep like repeating the climb mm. thing uh that k2 says like this idea that like that's another like really off parallel of like um you know you have two droids who have sacrificed themselves for Cassie mm-hmm. to live and to continue to try to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I tweeted this a while ago and it didn't go anywhere, which is like, I was like, oh, come on, this is a good theory. But um, <laughs> I can't help but think like, and this is like way down the line at, towards the end of season two, like if they do adapt the K2 comic in a way where they have to steal it for information, um, there there's this thing that they did in like the fourth episode of season one where like Luthen's Fondor droid ship mod like looks at Cassian and it's kind of got this sassy I'm watching you vibe. I don't like when he's alone in the ship and, and Luthen is talking to Wait, Vel. I was just gonna say, was that you? I was like, was that you who tweeted the theory that the Fondor is gonna end up being K2? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. my my theory. That it kind of becomes like Luthen like an ode to Luthen's presence in his life in a way because they go on the mission together and Luthen dies and but like in order to save the information from the K2 unit they integrate the Fondor droid mod and it's like the last and and Luthen dies before he knows if it works or not and that that kind of also yeah. is a parallel to Andor's story with the Death Star um I mm-hmm. if I was yeah. writing it that's what I would do <laughs> but that's <laughs> and- it's also interesting yeah. how that would be like the opposite of Solo, where like you yeah. know in Solo they integrated L three into the Falcon, and in yeah. Andor they integrate the Fondor into, into the droid. droid. That would yeah. be kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> like to yeah. see that like it could kind of work both ways almost. Yeah, I'm I'm crossing my fingers for like that I like got something similar on a complete whim because I I like that idea, but yeah. I like that idea to it. And I definitely think that the Fondor from what we saw, like that kind of system had much more of a K2 personality than yeah. it yeah. did. I like that a lot. Uh, anything else? With that, we'll go into uh, Castle Run Book Club. So Ephraim, are you uh, reading any books or comics? Um, as I said, my literacy is in the toilet right now. Um, I am, yeah, I'm reading, (laughs) I'm technically reading, um, The High Republic Phase 2, uh, Path of Deceit. I'm a couple chapters in, but I haven't touched it in probably well over a week. Um, what I've read, I like it, but I just, Mm -hmm. I'm busy. (laughs) And I also got the trade paperback (laughs) of the Darth Vader Crimson Rain run because i've i've really been looking i've been looking forward Sorry. to reading it all at once you know <laughs> because i i have the same opinion of it right now like i it's uh, confusing and not great <laughs> from an individual issue standpoint but i i really was keen on sitting down with the whole thing and so I've, I've bought that but i have not because i want to read it in a single sitting and see if it makes sense basically (laughs) um but other than that um i'm writing or i'm plotting a story and so like a lot of my story ideas are like or a lot of my time that i would spend reading a thing is just going into making basically a giant wikipedia document of this thing that only exists in my brain so yeah no not not reading a lot right now well, I can say I am the complete opposite. Thing. You're this week's winner. I the am the winner. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go. We'll 
start with comics this week and then I'll go into what I've been reading, which is very exciting. Reading. But Higher Public number two came out this week. Higher Public volume two of phase two, where we go back a couple hundred years before Higher Public phase one, I think a hundred years, um, to basically two Jedi and a purple pointy-eared man on Jedha. Let me tell you. The brain worms infected the timeline. (laughs) Tay and Vildar are so gay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're so, I've I've said this before, I've gotten the approval of both Eli and Mac. They are Han balance coded. And that is why I'm obsessed with them. Eli and Mac are on... They are another one with this ship. I I read what was it? I read Mackenzie's most recent fic that she put out this morning. Um, mm. of <laughs> she's already put out like two. <laughs> she she's wrote on a, a roll. fic. She's on a fucking roll. She wrote a fic where like Vildar has to like heal Tay, and I read I read the safe for work version, but apparently earlier today <laughs> she posted the not safe for work version, which like. No comment. I haven't read that, but no comment. Um, that is literally all I can remember about this fucking issue is that they're so gay and they're very Han Balance coded. But Liv, have you read it? I don't remember. I, yeah, I did. I wasn't going are to. Are they Han Balance coded? Yes, they are. Thank you. <laughs> I feel validated not only by the heads of the ship, but by Liv as well. <laughs> also a member of Han if Balance Nation. One thing- if there's one thing that Mac and Eli love, it is a it is an alien human. Ship. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you it's get a so little covered alien or colored alien, and you put them with a. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <sighs> anyway, I like Tire Public too. I just assumed. Oh, go ahead. Gay. So, I was like, I yeah. just assumed that Vildar uh, is country coded. <laughs> I don't know why. I just assumed he was. <laughs> well, just overall, I think so far, I think I think I'm enjoying High Republic Phase Two, Volume Two, rather than Volume One, which you know, with like Keeve and Avar and the and Tarek and Sarah and etc. But I don't know. I think not that I'm more invested in this volume, just because you know. I've I've said this before. I'm I'm not a higher public girly. I just read it because it sounds cool. But I'm not like a hardcore higher public girly. I'm more invested in this kind of volume. I think because it's not at such a grand scale that mm. volume one was with like the main characters. Like Avar, she was a main character in this run, even though she was kind of a main character like in the books as well. And I just think. I think the Drangir, as much as I like enjoyed the storyline when I was reading it, I think the Drangir plotline got a little repetitive. Um, because I think it continued like into like the second arc of 20 of not 2015, what the fuck? <laughs> of volume <laughs> one. And I think they're trying to do something new with um with volume two. And we're getting to see a side of Jeddah that we've never seen before. We get to see it at its peak when it's like when it's kind of like a beacon for force users in the in in the galaxy and we 
again, we don't like get to see it in Rogue One because it's basically been stripped of everything. So seeing it in this context mm-hmm. is very nice to see. Um, but yeah, um, one thumb up for Higher Public number two. What do you say, Liv? Yeah, same. One thumb up. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just here for the ride. I don't quite know what's happening, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so true of you. Here is why this is the opportune time to do a cheer to me show, because as you're setting up Jenna and you're setting up how the Guardians of the Wills were, it would be so cool to see Jetta through the eyes of Sheridan Bays uh, in the time of the Empire, through the Empire, through the fall of the Republic, into this age of the Rebellion when Saw settles down in it. Uh, so it'd be very true. cool, and it'd be, it'd be very cool to explore like that religion and like the the Guardians of the Wills from like yeah. in the in the same way that like the now like this is acting like a you know oh how far the Jedi have fallen in the prequels like oh mm-hmm. how far the, like the Guardians of the Wills have fallen it's definitely setting Republic it up for well. that stark contrast I can definitely see that mm-hmm. and I'm excited that we get to see like actual Guardians of the Wills because I think at the very last page was the Guardians of the Wills surrounding Maddie Vildar and Tay so we get to see them in action freaking awesome um and yeah i think higher public yeah higher public 2 was the only thing that came out last week mm-hmm. so we could talk about next week because oh, hold I on i don't have <laughs> i don't have my phone on me let me pull I got up. it oh yeah. i have it oh you do okay i can get it oh shit. Uh, next a lot week... this week oh for real oh shit you're right so oh, wait, next week never mind <laughs> next week it's <laughs> dr afro 26 han solo and chewbacca 7 and hit empire one <laughs> oh i've been in this shit since the beginning seeing the culmination of this is very scary i don't i i don't want it to end but i oh i don't know i'm mm. i have a lot i have a lot to owe to the kira trilogy I'll oh, just say yeah. that. Oh yeah. <laughs> please please reference our first episode where all three of us were together. Yes. Two hours of talking about the Kira trilogy. I think two hours is not enough. It was close right. to three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm scared. But it'll be it'll be fun yeah. experiencing it with you all. Yeah, when I like actually have people to talk about it with. Yes. Oh boy. When we do a wrap up, it's oh boy. not good. Yeah. Game over. Um, but also next week we get a revelations preview, which hmm. is coming out the week afterwards, along with the Finn and Poe hyperspace stories and the first issue of the Yoda miniseries. Honestly, I don't really give a fuck oh, yeah, about Yoda. I about that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, in the solicits released last week, there was a cover that featured young Dooku, which I, I don't know why. I'm enjoying this Dooku renaissance. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think he's cool. Although I, I may cave and watch his, um, Tales of the Jedi episode, but not the Ahsoka ones, (laughs) but, um, I don't know. I'm just enjoying Mm -hmm. the do, the do content, you know? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, the Tales of the Jedi episodes with with Dooku were the stronger ones. And, and and Kevin also tweeted this thing where he was like, this still works with the canon that I established, by the way, if you just think about it a little bit. 
And so seeing him basically be like, yeah, it, it fits. I was like, cool. That's up. And nothing um, from E.K. Johnston. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Eh. Um, yeah. <sighs> well, in terms of my literacy, I'm proud. I'm proud. I finished Tarkin on the train wow. back from the comic book store on Wednesday, which honestly, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting but mm. it wasn't what i expected it to be <laughs> but everyone is, was treating it as like oh tarkin is dumb tarkin is stupid it's like it's it's funny because it's tarkin and like we know he's gay but there were some really <laughs> interesting like lore drops mm. about like the jedi temple like that established that the jedi temple was built on top of a sith temple which is actually mm-hmm. also referenced in into the dark which mm-hmm. i am about halfway through into the dark now Confession time. Congratulations. Yes, Thank you. I, hey, is a reef kinny. I am like <laughs> me. So true. true. And that made and that made me so happy. I the fact <laughs> reef is my special little little guy. <laughs> he's he's just like me for real. He's anxious. just like me for real. He's anxious. So anxious. Yeah, he's just like me he for just, real literate just, I mean, he's anxious and he <laughs> just wants to read yes. <laughs> like so, so true it's so true of him but yeah i'm about halfway through um into the dark i just got to chapter 15 when they get off a of maxine station which a maxine station rise of kylo ren snow yeah. gardening whoa <laughs> okay little hat this stupid You're fucking little like page boy cap. Oh lord! <laughs> oh, God. There's no, there's no silly people wearing silly little hats right now on the station, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Instead, there's just a bunch of weird old statues, which I don't know what happens to those. But mm. anyways, um, listen, another announcement. This reading into the dark is prep for Midnight Horizon. It's coming. Obviously. I'm telling you, it's coming. People were fucking I, vlogging me the other night. They were like, you I haven't read It's so the Dark? Funny. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, people were like, so it's just I'm like, oh my God, hey, has it read Midnight Horizon? So when everyone in that poll was voting for Midnight Horizon, I was like, I was like, stop voting. She has not even read the first two. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, vote for Rebel Rising. She doesn't have to Rebel read Rising. anything to get to that. <laughs> Well, I also, full disclosure, I do not plan on reading Out of the Shadows. I'm very sorry. I just, no, I do not to. have the brain power. No, hey, no, no. no hey, you have to. Hey, hey you have to, because it's really essential for, it, like, you have to, because it is the, like, you can't go from Into the Dark to Midnight Horizon if you don't have the middle part, because it's a lot of Wreath and Comac and Out of the Shadows yeah. that are oh, as hard if you skip to Midnight Horizon. Also, there are lesbians. Also, Vern! and emory no you have to read out of the shadows it's short it's 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 a much quicker saying that midnight horizon is that midnight horizon into the dark is short it's fucking 425 pages midnight horizon is 474 yeah no i think out of the dark is not as long you have to Mm -hmm. you have sorry out of the shadows you have to read out of the shadows because midnight horizon will not be as good if you don't get the wreath and comac content that is in out of the shadows Uh also there's also there's stuff in out of the shadows that makes stuff in fallen star make more sense yeah i i do not recommend skipping unfortunately i'm yeah yeah you have to read it it's good people lie feel like it's not that good it's good 
I'm bad. I'm an I'm an out of the shadows defender. <laughs> I, I will not go also, so far as to defend it, but I will say that it is it will make everything better. Maybe literacy was a mistake. <laughs> Just see the um, island. I am. I am your biggest fan. It's only three hundred and fifty pages. Okay. Okay. It's like it's like a hundred pages shorter than the other two. So <laughs> okay. That's semi-manageable. I did not know that this fucking book was 425 pages. And I didn't know that Midnight Harrison was 475. Like, I struggled reading a 314-page book in Tarkin. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, Emily, how's your literacy doing? Uh, my literacy is doing well. I finished that romance that I was reading last week it was fine I here's my <laughs> issue why here's my issue and I'm exposing myself I read the whole thing I'm like oh they're definitely gonna have smut it was a fucking fade to black I'm pissed oh. why am I re- why am I reading adult romance and I was like and I was like because I was just like okay on the characters too I was like mm. they're fine it's fine so it wasn't my favorite I gave it like three I, I didn't think it was as bad to give it like two but it was just like it was fine I'm glad I got it from the library and I didn't buy it because I would have eventually unhauled it uh then I read because I am I do sometimes read other books from other franchises I read The Rise of Kyoshi which was very good oh. and really interesting um I I picked up I was I was interested so I picked up all three of the uh like avatar books that have come out so far uh from that author and mm. I really enjoyed it. It was really cool seeing Kiyoshi becoming the avatar cuz like we see her in the series and she's so like stoic and and justice. So it was really cool seeing her path to it and it's a lot more complicated than I thought it was. Like mm. um I don't think it's a spoiler, but like essentially like at the beginning, you learn that she was not identified as the avatar initially. They, they identified some other kid. Mm. Um, And like, there's this whole thing. Yeah. And it's really, it was really cool. Um, And also like, it was really cool seeing like her relationship with her girlfriend um, that she has in like that building. Mm. Um, Overall, I I really enjoyed it. And I thought the writing was really good. Actually, Um, there were some lines in there that were really just, just hitting um, and I thought it was really cool kind of her working out like her approach to justice. Um, and there's a second book, which I think is going to delve more into like her avatar stuff. But um, mm. I really enjoyed it. And I would also really love for them to write a book about Korra that was similar to it, probably taking place after the series. But uh, it got me and I was rewatching. I was rewatching or I was rewatching Korra last night because I really I really do love that the avatar series but i particularly love um the kind of older and i think that's why i liked it too because like Korra, it definitely felt like a slightly more mature approach to it because kiyoshi was like 16 in the book um mm-hmm. it gives it a different mm-hmm. vibe than like we saw with ang um interesting yeah so i would definitely i would definitely recommend that if you're an avatar fan it's a good one um and then i started today i started another historical romance it's called the governess game yeah the yeah. governess game it's like if uh if, if uh eloise i'm forgetting the name oh to sir philip with love a slave i i don't like <laughs> to sir philip with love i'm a <laughs> fan but that book is bad 
this is like if that book was really good <laughs> um, so this is like if that book that's definitively I, bad was good <laughs> good yeah i'm sorry I'm sorry. There are people all up in my comments, but I did my Bridgerton ranking video that was like, mm. I love Sir Philip with love. I was like, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm a Bridgerton. I'm a Bridgerton stan. I, I read that whole series. I liked a lot of that series. That book was so far below the rest of them. Mm. Um, Eloise deserved better. <laughs> and I hope that they do her better in the show. Uh, but yeah. I I've been doing that's where I read like a hundred pages today because it's it's quick. Um, but yeah, literacy has returned. I'm I'm forty five books down, five five on, more five to go more. till I reach more goal. So I believe we'll there. <laughs> we got two months left. You'll be fine. Plus convergence, that's already one so, down. So yeah, <laughs> that's already one down. Convergence, yeah, I have convergence and. I'll finish this book this week. So it'll be all good. And I have some, I have a trip that I have to read and Thanksgiving and stuff. Oh, yeah. So it'll mm. be all good. You'll be fine. Uh, so thank you, Ephraim, so much for joining us. I was really happy that I got to be on the pod with you. Yes. This is <laughs> a big reason why we wanted to invite you back. So actually, yes. all three of us can be here. Um, yes, <laughs> I had an awesome time. Instead of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a great uh, time. We, I'm always happy to, uh, sure to join to, y'all. Uh, yeah, make sure to follow Ephraim um, on all social, and also make sure to check out his music. Uh, he's really cool, and he makes some music, and it's good. So y'all should go check that out. Uh, I know it's on Spotify for sure, but if you go to his social medias, they'll be yes, stuff. You can and you it. should also then, check out his clothing. Oh, yes. Red Federation. Yeah, I am currently. There might be. I'm currently repping right now my yeah. Balance the Hunter t-shirt and yes. I had to explain who he was if to my roommates today. Obscure... <laughs> if you want a Balance Diagram t-shirt, that's who Hell yeah. <laughs> the one and only. Yeah. If you, if you are like, oh, nobody has merged for this obscure Star Wars thing that I like, Ephraim probably has it or is going to have it. <laughs> Yeah, that's so the goal. Because, yeah, if you're a High Republic stan, go look at this. If you're an Ochi of Bastoon stan, if you're a Shadow of Bastoon stan. Yeah. Um, I'm not stopping you're a anytime soon. Remember? Um, you're doing it for the comics girlies until like- I'm doing it for the comics and books girlies alone. Um, so true. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the Valance Nation uh, merch drop is today it is it is actually today um so yeah go check it out if you if you're as big of a fan of bounty hunters as we are <laughs> uh, yeah. here in, in the pod yes um, which we have talked about profusely yes <laughs> yes you've listened we'll to it at a singular sure episode all of his <laughs> we will make sure to put all that in the description uh thank you so much for listening uh once again, if you want to submit a viewer question, we would love that. As you see, we were so excited to we were so it. happy. <laughs> and we will answer it. So if you want to send us more 
please please do it makes me very personally excited <laughs> and if we get enough maybe we could just do like a whole episode answering questions who knows uh so you can submit that those to fun. us on our twitter yeah our twitter or through our uh our email uh thank you guys so much for listening once again and may the force be with you